shit, all that good shit, baby. Yes, sir. What's wrong with my hat? My hat is acting funny right now, dog. Hold on. Let me fix my hat. Let me fuck that hat, dog. All right. Oh, baby, there we go. There we go. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's play a new song we got right here. Uh, it's by me and my boy Bozo. It's called Alpha Instinct. I mean, yeah, here we go. Man, shit just getting crazier and crazier, my G. The streets are undefeated. Not trying to promote violence, just saying protect your family. To anyone trespassing on one man's life, take note. The devil is alive and well, but so is God. Choose one. I stalk like a wolf. Pray I don't shoot. Muzzle on your face. I'm a pillar for your ghost. I stalk like a wolf. Pray I don't shoot. Muzzle on your face. I'm a pillar for your ghost. I've got a gun with me. Cause I'm ready for it all. Mama told me I was gifted. So, so can we do? And I'm different from you all. Yeah. Pick the shells up. Turn the hell up. For everyone defeated, the streets will fail us. Mom and pop screaming, God prepare us. Sometimes water comes in sand. God made the deal, I shook his hand like a man. Lucky you, my son, wipe the blood off those hands. Father, Lord in heaven, I'm a martyr to the brethren. I'm a burden to the reverend. Searching for significance, my spiritual endeavors. Every day I'm tested, every day corrected. My hands are in the air, God bulletproof, test me. Resurrect my senses. Those were never bored, Lord, take me to your chamber. Teach me a ways out of love or with anger. I feel disgusted. As I hold up this musket, people taking lives out of ignorance is busted. They shooting up schools. Father with felonies, I got everything to lose. I stalk like a wolf. Pray I don't shoot. Muzzle on your face, I'm a pillar for your ghost. I stalk like a wolf. Pray I don't shoot. Muzzle on your face, I'm a pillar for your ghost. I've got a gun with me. Hit that like, hit that subscribe, baby. Hood stocks on a Tuesday night. Let's go. And I'm different from you all. Yeah, bozo. Forgotten soldier. I'm just a victim of war. It yeah. was the cans of Jack Mack that I ate on the yard. It was the warfare lines I was the proud of weight off. It was yeah. my little girl's neck wrapping umbilical cords. I carry on. Cause glory weight on no man. How I look blaming you for the commitment I lack. You the time to keep a bitch after she fuck with your man. They try and kill the homie cause she gave up the ass. I walk in class. My style's elegant. I'm gangster. If it's making you uncomfortable, well, homie, get your cash up. Complain in the answer. Go and pull so you got designer on, I got bliss that hurt for what it's worth. Yeah. I don't hate on no man, but I'm a killer motherfucker if he taking a stand. We got the slow fade on a motherfucking Taco Tuesday, baby. This evening's podcast is sponsored by a family-owned business, baby. Yes, sir. Straight out of the Hoodstocks community. Uh, big shout out to the Miguel Lopez and Alfonso Lopez family. Now, they about that business, and that business is called... Glory Plumbing, serving Southern Cali. I mean, I really love that name right there. I really do. If I'm on the shitter taking a glorious shit and I clog that toilet up and I go on Google for a plumber and I come across Glory Plumbing, come on, dog, it only makes sense. I'm calling them up the vision to be the leading plumbing company in the industry. Yes, sir. Value driven. We need values. Got to be driven, right? Giving more value to our clients than money we take. Plumbing with a purpose. For every service, 
We serve others by giving those in need. You guys, this is a, a, a company that's serving Southern California. These are uh, individuals with backgrounds like ourselves. And this is what it's about, baby. It's all about supporting the community, supporting those that... Uh, you know, they come from the same background, like I said. I don't mean to repeat myself. You'd like to get in contact with these these gentlemen. Uh, Glory Pump, Glory Plumbing, excuse me. I'll get better with this. Uh, Glory Plumbing, 2021 at gmail.com. And their phone number is area code 888-620-6444. Leading the plumbing industry. Glory Plumbing, baby. Yes, and I will have their link, the description, all that good shit. You know, down there in the description after the podcast. Yes. Okay. Oh. Oh, shit. I hate some raviolis, dog, and it just ain't working <laughs> out right, doggy. Sorry. Chef Boy RD just don't treat me right like he did when I was a kid, dog. Okay. Are we ready? Canine? Yes, sir. Preston? Okay. We have a very special guest. Hoodstock's community. Give it up. For my G, Young Jew. Young. Let's go, baby. Thank you, brother. Thank you. How you doing, doggy? I'm good, man. Start of a brand new week. Feeling good. You mind talking a little bit into the mic, brother? All right. All right. Yeah, we want to hear your... So they can just hear the, the girth in your voice. All right, here we go. You know what I mean? The death. Girth may have been the wrong yeah. word. <laughs> um... Did I say that correct? Young, young Jew. Young Jew. Young Jew. I love that name, bro. But people also know you as Juju. Juju. And Justin. And Justin. You know, so young Jew. I hope I don't sound like an idiot or look like an idiot when I'm doing this because I'm not really not. But that is your government name. Yeah, that's my Korean name. That's your Korean name. Yeah. Okay. Juju is your nickname. Street name. Street name, yeah. Nickname. Yeah. Well, now it's a nickname, but it started as a street name. Oh, was it always a nickname? Uh, nickname. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Don't let me, don't let me, you yeah, know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Don't let me tell your story or start making up my version of yeah, yeah. <laughs> how you got your name, dog. <laughs> oh, sorry about that, brother. Um, And then Justin is? Uh, English name. English name. Yeah. Now, bro, I got a question for you, dog. Why in the Korean, and it seems like it's in the Korean culture and the Chinese culture, bro, that my Asian brothers, my Asian families, they change their kids' names, bro. They have two names, bro. Why is that, dog? Because Mexicans don't do that shit, dog. Yeah. You don't got no motherfucking uh, 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 fucking Valenzuela over there, dog, and we're calling him Bob. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, hey, Valenzuela. What the fuck name is that, dog? Sorry about that. But anyways, uh, I was trying to think of an outlandish fucking Mexican name, and that was fucking not even right, dog. But why do you guys do that, dog? I think because we want to fit in, you know, to the culture, to the American culture. So a lot of us do have English names to, you know, just that's what we go by. But a lot of us, you know, that is our government name. It is your government name. Yeah. Justin is your government no, name? No, no, no. Yongju. Yongju. Yeah. I mean, are you guys cool with that, bro? Or is it looking at moms and pops and like, come on, man. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm cool with Yong. I like Yong. I mean, coming up, like growing up, like we want to fit in just like be everybody else. You know, when you're slanted eyes, yellow skin, and you have a, you know, a Korean name, they're like, you know, it's kind of embarrassing for us. Is but, it? 
you know, as I got older, I learned to embrace it. 100%. 100%. Bro, it was embarrassing for me growing up and being half Jew. Yeah. Uh, uh, fucking in the middle of a bunch of Mexicans, dog. Yeah. Uh, bro, my own family. My aunt used to call me a zebra when I was like eight years old, dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, I like zebras. Yeah. And then I figured out what the fuck she was talking about. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was like, you cold, auntie. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, um, bro, like, so I get it, bro. Like, I don't, get, I get it how, how, from my experiences, bro. But, you know, it just doesn't, to me, dog, who am I, bro? But I just really feel like you guys should, who's here right now, dog? We got to grease that door, dog. Um, Sorry about that, guys. But I just feel like, you know, they, you guys should just keep your, 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 your names. And But I get it because you guys have it. You guys kind of have it bad, bro, right? Do you, I mean, because I had Johnny on, and he talked about being a kid and just getting picked on, bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, get picked on for just our eyes, or, you know, we can't speak English that well, or we have an accent, or, you know, Jackie Chan, or, you know, Bruce Lee. So just stuff like that. There's a lot of just stereotype, and, you know, we just want to fit in, you know? You know, bro, I'm going to apologize to you right now, dog, <laughs> because I've been that dude, dog. Yeah. But you've been that dude too. Oh yeah, for sure. You fucking wetback. You fucking this. You fucking Jew. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, bro, without knowing it, yeah, we do it, bro. It's Especially as kids, bro. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, hundred percent, bro. Are we good, doggy? Hundred percent. Yes, sir. I love you, doggy. Yes, we you, we brothers from here on out, yeah. doggy. Yes, you know what I mean? But, bro, yeah, you Jackie Chan, motherfucker, <laughs> can't drive. You know what I mean? Yeah, for real. You know, and then what do, what do Chinese people say about Mexicans? You know what I mean? Probably all kinds of fucked up shit. Oh, yeah. Because I hear Mexicans talking fucked up shit to Mexicans all the goddamn time. So I can imagine what Koreans and Chinese and Asian people are saying. Oh, yeah. They were just clowning me the other day. My church is all Mexicans. So they're talking about, oh, you do this, you do that. You want the noodles. And I'm like, come on, man. Just chill. <laughs> <laughs> it's all love, though. But you got to hit them yeah, back, yeah, you fucking beaner. <laughs> Fuck you. Before I pull out my noodle and no, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, dog, I, I excuse me for all that because I know we're here for some serious business, dog. And um, this is just me being fucking a thousand percent silly on a Tuesday night, dog. You know what I mean? But sometimes it's it's good to have these kind of like make fun of these conversations, bro. Yeah. Because how many times do like people have these conversations amongst like two different people, right? Yeah. You know, and laugh about it. Like, I don't get to have them all the time, so I yeah. wanted to have it right now with yeah, you, bro. For sure, for sure. And and understand that like, you know what, dog? It's a two-way street. Yeah. You know? And sometimes we're like misguided as youth and 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 we're so fucking we're so like just ignorant as kids, bro. Like we know no better, bro. You know? And then adults, you got adults, bro, to this day, bro. They don't know no better. But anyways, brother, um we all got to coexist with each other, love each other, baby. Because that's the only way this world is going to grow and, and evolve, dog, into a, a, a beautiful f future. I mean, bro, we got to, what happened, dog, in Illinois, Highland Park, Illinois, bro? Like, what the, f they're shooting, bro. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother podcast, and I'm not going to get into that, bro. But I got one more question for you, bro, before, like I told you before the podcast, I said I got a couple questions for you, bro, and I'll spring them on you in the podcast. But so we, we started doing something right here. Uh, that I believe uh, originated from the Korean culture, and they're called mukbangs. Oh, uh, mukbang, yeah. Mukbang, yeah. Let's say it again. Mukbang. 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 <laughs> mukbang. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, 
we started doing it because yeah. we were like, we're gonna do a mukbang yeah. of uh, the the prison spread, something yeah. you're very yeah. familiar with, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, and, and 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 people are kind of interested on it. And then there's just so many different recipes. I mean, it was just something to break up the monotony of always doing, you know, you know, interviews and stuff, and just break it up and try something new. And it was fun. But I looked it up on Google, and I was blown away by what I read, bro. And what I read was mukbang originated in North Korea from where you're from, right? Uh, South Korea. I'm sorry. From It started from South on South Korea. Misspoke. It started from South Korea. And, and correct me if, I, if this information is right or not, but it said South Koreans would record themselves eating large amounts of food just so North Koreans can see it and be jealous of it because they were living in poverty. I don't know if that's how it started, but I mean, that's kind of cruel. Oh yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, that's that's pretty cruel. But I don't think that's how it started. But people would just record themselves and just eat, and then people like hearing the ASMR, the the sound, and it just got big, and people just grew to like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, bro. I'm not trying to paint your yeah. side like that, but yeah. I was just like, yeah. So yeah, yeah. you, I, I, I was like, bro, correct me if it's if it's right information or not. But uh, I thought it was pretty interesting, bro. That. Yeah. That was actually like that was the main definition of what it was, bro. Yeah. Besides being uh, large amounts of food that people watch you eat or whatnot yeah, yeah. on on YouTube and shit, not. But anyways, all right, let's get down to business. Let's kind of get down to business. You guys ready? We're gonna get down to business right now, and the business is, <sighs> my G, Justin. You're on this podcast and willing to share your story because your back is somewhat against the wall right now. Is that correct? Yeah. And for those that don't know, I know, for those that don't know, how is your back against the wall right now? Uh, because I was born in Korea, um, even though I finished my sentence in the CDC, uh, I'm facing deportation because of that. So even though I finished my time, served my time, did parole, uh, got off parole, um, I have to constantly check in with ICE and have the threat of deportation over me. So you, so, so you have the threat, of, they're threatening you uh, to deport you, de deport you right now. Um, and you're constantly checking in with ICE. I mean, how does that work, brother? So they gave me a date to come back. So my next check-in date with uh, ICE is August 15th. So it's every several months. Every uh, once a month, I have to check in through my phone. Um, when I first got out, I had an ankle monitor. So in a sense, I was still in prison, still in bondage. So I had an ankle monitor for a, a whole year, you know, after being after serving a long time. So it's just constant, just I feel like it's double punishment. Just because I was born in a different country. Absolutely. And there's, a, and there, well, I think it's kind of like, it's a, it's a common practice for individuals. Practice is probably the wrong word, but I'm going to run with that right now. That when you get, when you're getting ready to parole from a California penitentiary, a lot of dudes have INS holds. Yeah. Because they're not a legal citizen in the U.S., now, they let you parole, obviously. No, so without even stepping foot outside of CDC, uh, two ICE agents were waiting for me. So they picked me up and I went straight to ICE. You went straight to ICE? Straight to ICE. And they released you from ICE? And the only reason why I got out because of the pandemic. And there was a whole lot of lawsuits going on. In the, in the ICE facility? Yeah, and it was just that place where I was at, which was Mesa Verde in Bakersfield. How was that, bro? 
I mean, it how was it being detained right there after doing what? And we're gonna get into bro, this dude's got an amazing story. He served a lot of time, but from going from serving that time and now being detained in an ice. I mean, it's a federal thing. Yeah. You were in state. Maybe is it better food? I mean, what's going on right there, bro? Uh, I mean, in a sense, it's better food. There's better. Uh, you have a, a iPad. You have more program as far as like yard time. Um, but there's no program. There's no groups. There's no AANA. Um, it was it was bittersweet because yeah. I'm out of state, which was hard to get out of as a lifer. And then I'm happy that I left that place. And then to go to the feds, the ICE. Um, it was bittersweet because there's no program in, in the sense where there, you can't go to group, you can't go to school, you can't go to work. You're just doing time, just yeah. sitting there waiting. So. Absolutely, yeah. So it was, it was just it took you out of of your routine. Yeah, I mean, you were programmed to a routine, and yeah, huh? That's interesting. So they they let you out of ice, and you're kind of like on a double parole type of thing. You got to check in with pro officer and you got to check in with the ice. Yeah. Yeah. And so can we get, can we start your story, bro, on how we got to this point right here? But before we do that, let's, I'd like you to let everybody know what you're advocating for, right? What you, you what, why you're here. Well, you just said it, bro. But what you, what you need from the community of Hoodstocks right here are what you, you know what I mean? would help you, right? Because we're all about okay. helping our, our brothers right here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right now, I'm campaigning for my pardon to to not get deported from the governor. Um, so right now, I'm going to start a campaign launch uh, next month on the 12th of August um, just to get people to email the governor, call the governor, to get a call to action and just get the numbers up and, and for the governor to look at me, grab his attention, and what's this guy about? You know, what has he been up to since he's been out? So... Man, I, I hope that you guys can hear my story and, and support me. Absolutely. And you need X amount of signatures, is that correct? Uh, more the better. The more the better. Yeah, just to get the attention of the governor. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I mean, we got 40,000 subscribers right yeah, here. Yeah, let's go. You know, but um, we got a lot of dudes right here that are just going to be having you under a microscope right now, yeah. dog. You know what I mean? But that's that's life, right? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it, baby. Let's where do, where it. do we start? Do we start from the dirty diapers, dog? You know what I mean? What do we do, Man. baby? Uh, so I was born in South Korea. Okay. Um, you know, my family wanted a better future. My grandma uh, told my family, my dad, come to America, you know, for the American dream, a better life. So I grew up as an only child. I came to the States when I was two years old. Uh, I started off in San Fernando Valley, Van Nuys, Northridge area. So I remember the, the big earthquake. So I remember, you know, being a little toddler, two, three years old, and the big old earthquake happening, and we all run out. And I remember, like, just the tables being flipped over. But I moved around a lot, you know, because my parents were always working. They were hustling. They worked multiple jobs to provide for me. But from there, I moved to Koreatown. Um, I lived there for a little bit. And then from Koreatown, I moved to uh, Orange County. Okay, so let me back up real quick, bro. Because I, so you were born in South Korea. And so you, you came from South Korea when, brother? Uh, 92. 92. And why did you leave South Korea to come to the United States? And how did you do that? Uh, I came under my father's work visa, so they wanted a better life, uh, the American dream. Absolutely. So, you know, we all came. Just, I'm the only child. And right when we got here, uh, my mom got three jobs, and my dad worked two jobs. What kind of jobs were those? My mom, she worked at a burger place uh, at a Korean video store, and kind of like accounting type of work. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And then my father, he was involved with the fashion industry, drawing. Uh, that's what he went to uh, college for. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So I was always left at a, a neighbor's house or at a daycare. Um, and just growing up, I felt alone, you know, just alone. And I built up a, a, a sense of resentment, like, man, my family, my parents, they don't love me, even though back then, you know, they're doing everything to provide for me. But I grew up with a sense of, man, where, where are they? A loneliness, a sense of resentment, a sense of abandonment. So when I moved to Orange County, that's where I met a lot of people like me, Korean, um, going to church um, with the neighborhood kids. But there was a lot of older guys around. And they will pick on me. They will pick on me and bully me, uh, you know, hit me, punch me. Not in the face, but they'll bomb on me, like body shots. Yeah. And I felt some kind of way. And I'm like, man, what about, like, my homies, my friends? They're just picking on me. And, but were these dudes uh, the same? Did they have the same ethnic background as you? Yeah, they're Korean. Okay. Yeah. So these are some fucking bad, mean motherfuckers. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some white guys, too, you yeah. know, that... You know, skaters. I used to skate too. That's that's dope. Me too. Right? And when I do a trick better than them, they'll just hate and spit on me. I'm like, what? You know? And I'm like, that's I'm a kid. You know? Just thinking back now, like, man, that's that's petty. Yeah. But just growing up, it's like I got picked on a lot. Um, and I learned that because I was always tall. I stood out amongst all my friends. So when they would pick on me, um, I'll fight back, body shots. I don't back down. Um, and then I, I like the sense of respect that I got from them. But that's how I was growing up, just getting picked on a lot. Um, and then from Orange County, I moved to Fontana. So that's right by Rancho Cucamonga. Yeah. And just living out there, I felt out of place. I'm like the only Korean out of all Mexicans and blacks. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to that's be tough. That's, that's, you know what I mean? That's, that's hard terrain right there, baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially when, uh, you know, you know, a lot of our Asian brothers, you know what I mean, are, are you know, picked on probably more than any other ethnic background, potentially, right? Oh, yeah. Like, even out there, like, I didn't have no friends. But they're always calling me Jackie Chan, Ching Chong, Bruce Lee, Jet Li. But by that time, I know how to box or, or go body shots. So I'll challenge, let's go, let's box. And, you know, I'll take them on. And then they'll kind of give me a sense of respect. So I learned early on um, that's where respect came from, through violence. Standing for yourself, yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of dudes probably take it, but you were you were made a little different, bro. You know, absolutely. So you, I mean, you you getting into you, you're starting to kind of build a little callus around yourself, so to speak, right? Yeah. You know what I mean, moms and pops is working. You're kind of got to fend for yourself on the streets, bro. You know, and you start going down. B bad road yeah potentially. yeah because out there like everything's far away so you can't get around so so you know when i hit high school um you know there's peer pressure like a lot of people are moving out from la um you know the guys are bigger they have party crews and, yeah. and you know they have little cliques and gangs around it's not a big gang over there but you know but everybody just acting hard and you know now i'm trying to do good trying to stay out the way um but i want to fit in i want to fit in so bad and later on, uh, another Korean guy had moved out there and went to that school for a little bit, and his name was Daniel, and he was from a Korean gang. And, you know, when I heard about this gang, I was like, oh, he's from here. So I really want to get to know him. So I told another friend, hey, uh, man, you know, I'm trying to buy some weed. Um, I think he's slaying. I heard he's slaying, so let me, you know, hook us up. And later on, uh, 
like a couple of weeks later, uh, I get a phone call. I'm in my sixth period class, and you know he hits me up. It's like, hey, is this Justin? Like, yeah, this Justin. It's Daniel. I heard you trying to buy some weed. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's you know, let's meet up. So I meet him up, and the whole time my intention is like, I want to get to know him because I want to I want to roll with these guys, the Korean boys. So as soon as I meet him up, you know he's like, hey, you know he's got this purple Kush. We're smoking. After we smoked, he was like, man, you want to get put on? And I was like. Yep. So he made a few <laughs> phone calls, um, called three other people along, and I got put on right then and there. And how did you? How did? How did they uh, court you into the Korean boys? How did they put you on? So they told me if you want respect, don't fight back. And to me, I'm like, I gotta defi- defend myself. But at that time, I I don't know better, right? I was 16, and they said don't fight back. So. Daniel, he's small. He's like five six. I'm five eleven. He walks up to me, and I'm not expecting much. He walks up to me and kicks me straight in the mouth, and it just started. They start bombing on me, and I'm not fighting back. I'm covering up, and one guy comes at me with an uppercut. Bam! Knocks me out, and I get back up, and my teeth is knocked out. I'm like, what the heck? So I pick it up, and then one of the older homies, he's like, you good? I'm good. Bam! He cracks me again. In my mind, I'm like, man, this is scandalous. You know, this is dirty. Yeah. So. I'm down, I'm on the floor, they start stomping me out. Um, and it felt like a minute, a good minute. So I get up and they tell me, welcome to the family. And you know, we're gonna call you Whispers. And I'm like, Whispers? Nah, I don't like that name. You know, cause my teeth was knocked out. Yeah. They're like, nah, you know what? We're gonna call you Silent. So that's how I got that name. And it felt like, man, I finally belonged to a family, you know? Absolutely, bro. I mean, that's pretty interesting, bro, that a five, six dude can fucking kick us oh, yeah. a, a 5'11 dude in the fucking face. That dude was that dude was like that dude had some fucking skills underneath the belt, huh? One thing about Koreans, they either took Taekwondo or some karate class, so Absolutely. Yeah, I, I already knew what was coming. Yeah. <laughs> Not like that, but Yeah, no, yeah. real shit. Yeah, absolutely. So this I mean, you were looking for you know, you wanted to fit in, bro. You were looking for a sense of belonging. I mean, as well as all of us that were raised in the gang culture, bro. You know, there was something lacking, you know, within ourselves, you know, you know, family or whatever it was, and we looking for love in all the wrong places. I don't mean to sound like a broken record because I've said this a thousand times, but th- this is what it is. And it's crazy to think about now that we had to get our teeth knocked out, kicked in the head and stomped out to feel accepted. Yeah. Which is just a wild thought to the average person probably. Yeah, and then I remember uh, right when I got jumped, I, I walked to the restaurant, and there's some school friends around, and they're all looking at me, and, and they asked me, was it worth it? They knew. Yeah, they knew I got jumped. I had bruises, black eye. And I was like, yeah, it was worth it. Like, I felt a sense of uh, a pride in that, how you know twisted it was. And I felt like I had my identity now, right? I'm not like Justin from Fontana or Justin, you know, that moved around a lot, but... Now I was silent from this gang. I had an identity. Yeah, Justin. Uh, you, yeah, you were you were silent from Korean Korean boys now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, how did we move from there? How did life turn for you from so, there? So after that, like every day, it felt like my birthday, right? I felt like I was somebody. Um, I'm 16. Um, Daniel, he's 18. He just graduated. So you know, he's picking me up every day. And the gang originated from Rolling Heights. Okay. Uh, that's right by Diamond Bar. Uh, Went there, that area. How old is that neighborhood, bro? 
Oh, man, I was, it's a fairly new neighborhood. Is I, it? I would say it started in the 90s, so. Okay. Yeah, about 20, about 20 years, 25 years. Are those, are those, are those, uh, those homies still going strong? I think a lot of them are just, I don't think, I don't know about gangbanging, but a lot of them are just hustling, making money now. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of like an organization, group of guys, you yeah. know, hustling together or something, huh? Yeah. Absolutely. And so now you have your identity. And you're moving different. Your head's high, and you feel like you're somebody now. Oh yeah. So you know, and and you know, my boy Daniel, he's my road dog, right? My crime me, and he has a car. So every day we're going to Rolling Heights, drinking, going to bars without getting carded. So I'm I'm really feeling like, man, I'm special. I'm like exclusive. Everybody in my school is just like, you know, sleeping early. I'm coming home three in the morning, fighting, gang banging, and. All the while, like the older homies are like, man, you down, homie. You're, you're the little homie. It's, it's your time to shine. You got to put in work. And, you know, they gave me a strap, a 357. So I'm like, man, they, uh, man, they respect me enough to, or they trust me enough to give me this gun. And I want to just build my respect from this gang now. So, you know, I'm scrawny. Uh, at the time, I'm a buck 60 and, you know, flashing the gun around, like in, the, in front of the mirror, just. I can, you know, I'm like somebody, but I'm a little kid, you know? Pulling it out. Yeah. See how gun. you look with it? Gun bigger than you. Yeah. So, you know, we, we always carry the strap around. Uh, we had it in Daniel's car, um, and we're gangbanging, right? We're putting in work, um, just starting to beef with other other gangs. Um, in that area, there's watching and Rolling Heights, uh, Vietnamese boys. Um, and I grew up in Orange County, too, so we would go down there to, to beef with other Korean gangs. So that's what we're doing. So there's there's actually there's actually other Korean gangs as well uh, besides the Korean boys. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, and yeah. I mean, who was who was the 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 biggest like opposition, the big dogs back then that you guys were going against? The biggest gang was Watching, um, and Watching is a big gang, so they have different size, different cliques. So the clique in that area, uh, I think it was called Sunnyside Watching. Yeah. And uh, Straight Up Watching. Yeah. Uh, so we're going at it with them. And then the other Korean gangs were called Outlaws. In, in, oh, the other Korean gangs yeah. were Outlaws. Yeah, they're called uh, Korean Outlaws or Killer Outlaws. And are they, did they uh, originate in the 90s or did they go back further than that? I believe a lot of the Korean gangs started in the 90s. The yeah. older ones um, that started in LA, like K-Town, started in the 80s. And you know what, bro? It makes 100% sense, bro. Because if you think about it, and for those that weren't raised in the 90s, like honestly... Like, if you were from a gang or from a party crew, you know what I mean? Whatever it was, the dudes you're rolling with, that that was a rough fucking time to be a kid. Like, you had to move like you were a gang because gangs was in style like a motherfucker. That shit was... Oh, yeah. I mean, even if you didn't bang, a lot of people dress banged out. Yeah. And you would get hit up. And 100%. If and if you're not from nowhere, you know, you're going to get taxed and all that. So I'm like, man, just going up getting taxed and hit up. I'm like, I want to be from somewhere, right? And even growing up in Orange County, I, I used to get taxed a lot by outlaws, you know? And if I. How would they tax you, bro? How would the Korean outlaws tax you? I mean, they'll, they'll jack you, like, hey, what you wearing? Like, give me your stuff. Why are you yeah. wearing Cortezes? Give me your shoes. And that's embarrassing in front of your friends, in front of the girls, you know? Yeah. So even growing up in, in Orange County, I, I grew up with a sense of resentment. 100%. Yeah. A little chip on the shoulder. Oh, yeah, for sure. You, you don't forget shit. And you're keeping score. Yeah, and, and a lot of my friends, uh, you know, were from Orange County, like Cerritos, the Palma area. 
and they ended up joining that gang, Outlaws, right? right? So I think if I didn't move to Fontana, I would have probably been with the same crowd. 100%. Yeah, yeah 100%. So you moved to Fontana, you know, you're from the Korean boys. Were they deep out there? Were there a lot of them dudes out there? Not really. Because you said they were from Roland Heights, yeah, right? Yeah, Roland Heights. Yeah. So there was about like three, three of them that moved out there, and uh, we were just trying to recruit at that time. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Do you guys, do you talk to those those guys to this day? To this day, not really. Yeah. Um, not really. My my crimey calls me every once in a while. Absolutely. Um, he's, he's still doing time up for the parole board. Yeah. I'm not trying to move too forward in this, okay. but that was just yeah. a random question, bro. You know, so you're going, you, you put in the work, bro. And like we said in the 90s, bro, you know what I mean? Like, shit. Honestly, if you out there in the streets... You know, you kind of need, you need protection. You need a backup. Oh, yeah. You need dudes to roll with, you know? Um, and like you said, bro, everybody was, even if they weren't gang members, dudes were dressed bang the fuck out. You had these party fools that were like trolled out. Straight up. Hoop earrings, eyebrows plucked, you know what I mean? Like you had some weird dudes <laughs> like just dressing yeah. gang banged out, you yeah. know? And, and, and bro, real shit, like, my, me and my homies, we roll up on these dudes, and we'd be like, man, what's up, homie? What's, what's that What's that Highland Park life like? Like, homie, boop, 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 where yeah. you from, dog? Whoa, whoa, you know what I mean? I ain't from nowhere, man. Shut your ass yeah. up, fool. Yeah. Pick your shirt up. You know, let's see the tattoos. Whoa, man, what size them Cortez? Give me that shit, fool. Like, hey, do, hey, sleep, what size you wear, dog? Like, bro, yeah, it was chaos, yeah. bro. It was chaos, bro. Because you didn't, everybody was dressed gang banged down. And it's crazy, because now to this day, bro, you don't even see a lot of these dudes. Yeah. If you see dudes dressed like that, you're like, damn, bro, you we going to a Halloween party, dog? You know what <laughs> I mean? You stuck in the nineties, dog. Yeah. What's going on? But anyways, so you're running around like like we all were, bro, back yeah. then. You know what I mean? Putting in the work, mad work. Yeah. You know, just and and the older homies were like, Man, it's your time to shine. Put make some noise, put us on the map. And at that age, I'm 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 feeding into all this. I'm buying all this. Um, they're like the best time to get away with a, a shooting is at night. Uh you know, and, and they're encouraging me, like, man, this is when you get them fools, or this is how you do it, pull up, close up, you know? And it's, it's just making sense to me, and I'm, I'm drinking, I'm, I'm smoking, right, doing everything, so everything is just making sense. Were you involved in drugs, besides not weed, but just hard drugs? No, just I was just smoking weed. And that's, and that's, and I asked that question because when I talked to Johnny from the Watchings, he said they weren't involved in hard drugs, bro, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, and, and so, when it came to the Korean gangs, they, they weren't smoking meth like all the Mexican gangs and and the white dudes and the some of the black dudes were smoking crack. And I mean, I'm just saying, like a lot yeah. of people in the gangbang world back then, bro, were dope the fuck up. Yeah. You guys were just drinking and smoking weed. That's it, because it was, it was frowned upon. Yeah, you want to be on our toes at all times. Um, I mean, some of the guys they playing stuff like that, but yeah, for the most part, they told us just weed and drink. That's it. Yeah, nothing else. You know, sometimes, bro, they used to press us when we were kids. Hey, you know, nobody can be smoking meth because fools are wigging out and doing this and that. Yeah. And we'd be like, all right, dog, yeah, sure, whatever, you know what I mean? And shit, we'd bam, you know what I mean? Get yeah. everybody getting high, whatever the fuck, dog. Yeah. Don't say nothing. Don't tell fucking canine nothing, dog, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like, it was like that, bro. But it's it's interesting, bro, that you guys were, when it comes to the Asian community, you guys were a little more disciplined in regards to just, like, you know what I mean? Like, nah, dog, we, we, ain't, we can't be doing that shit. Yeah, bro. we're trying to move very low key. Um, nobody even knew that we were banging. Uh, even our families, we kept it from them. Like, all our tattoos, it was under under the sleeves. Uh, for the most part, we tried, you know, but, you know, they knew. What is a Korean, what is a Korean, like, what is, is there something the Korean boys get, like a tattoo they get? 
I mean, like any other gang, the the letters, the, the numbers. letters. So a lot of Asian gangs identify by numbers. So letters and numbers. Um, yeah. and a tiger that yeah. represents our our country. Okay, that that the tiger represents the Korean uh, culture. The culture, yeah. just like the dragon represents the the, the Chinese culture. Yeah. And so, what is what is the uh, what is the representation of a tiger? Uh, it's just our national animal. Okay, it's your yeah. national animal. Yeah, just like the national animal right in California is a fucking bear. Yeah, bear. Yeah. Okay, yeah. makes sense. Yeah, pretty simple. Yeah, cultural. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, but when it comes to a tiger, is it just the strength? Is it just the, the the hunting fucking things? Is there something a little deeper besides just, hey, it's I, just. I mean, as far as I know, it's just cultural. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure there's always a deeper meaning, but but for me, it was just okay, Korean pride. It yeah. This is us. Hundred yeah. percent. So a lot of a lot of the Korean boys had tigers on them. Yeah. What the. <laughs> my my fucking uh, Preston, come get this mic back up. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking the Viagra just wore off <laughs> this mic. Um, so, uh, and so when these dudes were telling you, bro, like, hey, Justin, hey, Silent, like, this is the way you do it. I mean, were they leading by example, bro? Did you see these guys doing something that they were asking of you to yeah, do? Yeah, I saw them put it down. So the first day I got into the hood, uh, I went down to Roland Heights to drink, and some enemies had pulled up to our, our bar where we kick it at. Yeah, and I saw it go down. They they traced them out and just dumped on them, and I was like, "What? Like that's like the movies." And like I want to go back to Fontana and be like, "Man, this I just went through that." But you know, you can't talk about that. Yeah. But when I saw that, okay, they're putting it down. So I want to be like them. Hundred percent. Yeah. As as my as me as well, bro. I seen them dudes doing crazy shit, and I was like, "All right, that's the homie right there." Whoa, that's the big dog right there. I want to. I want to be just like that, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and we're so we're so influenced at this young age, you know what I mean? When we're trying to have an identity, yeah. bro. It's 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 just such it's such a trip, bro, for me now to think about my mind state, you know what I mean? And it, believe it or not, bro, we still have the same mind state, bro, as grown-ups. Now it's just in a different playing field. Yeah. You know, we want to be this, we want to be that. Oh, yeah. We have this different aspirations, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know. And so you see these dudes fucking chase dude out the bar, bop, 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 whoop, whoop, whoop. You know what I mean? Now, you, you know what I mean? You just like, you're like, whoa, this, this shit is real. Yeah, it's going down. I know what I signed up for. They know what they signed up for. And, you know, who gets who first? Yeah. And so your, your, your parents, your parents were uh, traditional, uh, uh, your second generation, obviously, yeah, right? Yeah. And so the traditional Korean uh, uh, parents, I mean, what does that consist of, bro, in your household for a lot of our audience right here, bro, that are, you know, Latinos, you know, and the whites, blacks, and so on and so forth, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what kind of, what kind of, what's going on in your household, you know what I mean? I know they're working a lot, bro. Yeah. I mean, does mom cook? Does dad cook? I mean, what, what kind of, how's that household run, just so we have an idea? Uh, for the most part, my mom cooked. My dad can cook too, but they would cook enough to just put the food in the fridge and I would just microwave it because I'm home alone a lot. Um, and we would rarely eat at the table. But if we do, um, our culture is you don't talk unless the father talks first and then you're able to talk. So there's a lot of cultural uh, assimilation going on. Um, and my dad never told me he loved me. It was, he was always quiet, very passive. And that's a lot of Korean families. So we don't talk about our feelings. We, you know, we, we hide a lot of the stuff under the rug. Um, we don't talk about like what we're going through. 
anxiety or the stress. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of Korean uh, dads, they smoke cigarettes and drink alcohol. So that, that's the culture. That's interesting because, you know, the, the Asian community is one of the smartest communities that's ever been, that's ever touched this freaking earth, bro. You know what I mean? You know, you go to a f- hospital and who's going to be operating you? A lot of Asian men or women, yeah. right? You know? And so just, it, it's crazy me trying to wrap my mind around just like that kind of like that old school mind state set, which is, you know, it's real, you know what I mean? You know, and, and I guess it, it goes across a lot of, probably a lot of Mexican families too, where you can't talk to your parents about what you're feeling like, but that's interesting. So you don't talk until, until, until pops talks, but if pops doesn't talk, then you don't say nothing the whole dinner. Nothing. And so what is, what is, what is one of your favorite meals that your mom would make, bro? Man, my favorite meal. As a kid, yeah. Man, I would say, uh, changjorim. It's it's uh it's like uh it's like meat mixed with rice, but it's like kind of sweet with soy sauce, kind of like Korean barbecue flavor, but you mix it with rice. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds bomb, dog. Yeah, it's bomb. <laughs> I stay at Korean barbecues, dog. Yeah. Real yeah. shit, dog. <laughs> it's one of my favorite foods, dog. I mean, um, okay, so. Let's get back on track with the stories. I apologize about the little questions that I have, dog. Yeah, no it's just problem. it's just my curiosity, dog, and the culture, dog, and then probably a lot of other of the of the fellas and the people that are watching right now, you know. Um, so your parents don't know, bro, what you're up to. I mean, they they had an idea because I'm coming home late, yeah, like three in the morning, absolutely. And, and my pops, he would stay up late, just wait, you know, waiting for me to come home, and. You know, he would try to talk to me, like worried. He was worried, you know, and I knew he loved me, but he just didn't know how to say it. Yeah. So he would just look at me, just drinking, and by this time I'm already gang banging, full fledged, and he would be like, "Where were you at?" And I'll I'll flip out, man. All of a sudden, like you you trying to care, you don't even care, man. Get out, like get out my face. I'll just go to my room. And, and, and you're talking to him in in your native language, yeah, in Korean. Yeah. Did he did he speak English? Very little. What about mom? Very little. Very little yeah. as well. So I, I was very disrespectful. Um, but at that point, I just had built up so much resentment. Like they're not even there for me. Like my 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 homies, my hood. That's my family. It's tough, yeah. bro. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a real life real life story, bro. Some people that thank God that you guys never had to experience. You know, this is one thing we do right here at Hoodstocks is we share these stories, bro. You know, I feel really blessed that I can have this brother right here, of Korean descent, to, to share the culture, share the similar stories that we all that we all go through just so we know that, you know what, it doesn't matter the dude's got slanted eyes, yellow skin, brown skin, black skin, whatever the hell you wanna call it, you know what I mean? We all go through the same stuff together, man, and we yeah. share similar stories, man, you know? And so here you are, you're rebelling against your parents, bro. You got your new family, bro, you know? You're you're 100% influenced by these dudes, bro. Like, you you ready to die for this gang, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, and we're, we're Banged out, Cortez, Dickies, just like how you guys dress. Yeah, bald head, slick face, whatever. Just banged out, and we're putting in work. Just summertime, you know, just active, hitting everybody up, everybody, anybody, anytime, just gang banging. So, you know, by this time, you know, I I joined the gang when I was sixteen, and a few months go by, um, and the summertime. So we go to a house party in Rolling Heights, and a lot of college people, a lot of college kids hanging out, partying. And you know, me and the homies were in the backyard, just just chilling, drinking, smoking, 
um, just talk, trying to talk to girls, you know. Trying to shoot your shot. <laughs> yeah. And then we heard some rival gang members had come in the front. And, you know, I didn't see them. We didn't see them. But one of the homies came, hey, some fools from Watching came. And that moment, we're like, what? You know, F them fools. They're the enemies. Let's get them. So we, we all go to the front and we have a meeting. And one of the older homies like, man, who's going to handle this? Right. And I know what that meant. And I was like, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take care of that, you know. And, you know, it, you know, when I think about it, like now, it, it's a shame. Like, it's a shame what happened. But I was that person. I was, I want to take care of business. I want to get respect. I want to make a name for myself. And I didn't even see those guys take off, right? I, I just, I saw a car pulled, pulled out. Um, and I just know those were the guys that we had to get. So me, my homie Daniel, another guy, we got in the car and we chased them out. Um, we lost them at one point, and but we found them. So we're, we're, we're tailgating them and they go onto a freeway, the 60 freeway uh, in, in the city of industry. And at the time I'm, I'm drinking, I'm smoking, I'm, I'm already just faded. And the only thing that made sense to me was I got to get them. Like, I'm not going to get another chance. I got to get these, get these guys. So we followed them onto the freeway. Uh, my homie, Daniel, he's driving. And you know, I, I pull out the gun, the 357. I, I'm, I'm in the passenger seat and I roll down the window. And, and in my mind, it's like, right now or never, um, so I, I unload the gun. There's, I think there was like four bullets in the gun. I unload the whole thing. And in my mind at the time, I, I'm thinking the car's going to blow up or whatnot. And I look back, it, it just slows down and pulls over. Right? And I try to hit everybody in the car. Right? I found out later there's five people in the car. Um, the driver uh, got shot in the face. Um, and the passenger got killed. You know, and at that time, right, we're, we're gangbanging, you know, and, and they're the enemies. And I found out later on, I, I heard two different stories. I heard that some of them weren't even from watching, and I heard maybe one of them was. So I, I hear two different stories, but thinking back now, it's like even if they were from watching, nobody deserves to get killed over nothing, you know. So after the shooting, right, I... I call up the older homies, hey, we got them, right? We got them. And to me, um, it's like, man, I'm putting in work for the hood. Like, I'm trying to you know, gain my credibility. And, and they told me, look, we'll talk about later. Um, just go to, your, go to the house and just chill. And the next day, uh, you know, everybody came to my house in Fontana. We had a meeting. Don't talk about nothing. Um, we wiped down the car. No, no residue, nothing and got rid of the gun. And, you know, just, just thinking back now, you know, it, it's, it's horrific, it's, it's disgusting, it's despicable, man. Um, somebody today is without a, a son, a brother. Um, you know, and every day I think about that family, the Huang family, right, the Yao family. And I know I'm out here, I'm, I'm trying to make a living for myself, but there's somebody out there still suffering because of what I've done, you know? And, and this is me being transparent, right? I committed first degree murder and attempted murder. And I tried to take out the whole car. I was originally charged with four attempted murders too, but it got dropped later on. 
But that was me at 16 years old, just reckless, ruthless, um, stupid, immature. There's no better. Yeah. You were, you were uh, I mean, they talk about a lot of the kids that have been through similar things like yourself, bro. They talk about the mind that is it's not even developed, bro. You know what I mean? Like, let's be real. Like, I didn't start maturing, bro, especially boys, bro. They don't mature too late. Girls, they mature earlier. I mean, it's, yeah, bro. So you get, they find out that it's you. No, so whole four months go by. I, I go back to school, um, act like nothing happened. Sorry, Doc. Um, and I'm in my junior year, right? I'm, I'm still 16, going through high school. Four months go by, and... You know, there's no evidence. We got rid of the evidence, nothing, right? And then one day, uh, you know, they call me up to the office. They're like, Mr. Chung, come to the office. And I'm in my first period class. And I go to the office, and I see two detectives standing there with, with a big old box. And they're like, come here. I'm like, all right. So I, I go to the office, and I see a box with the letters 187. I'm like, oh, man. And they pull out a bunch of files and pictures of the car. Um, and I'm like, like, how? Like, there's no evidence. In my mind, it's like, there's no physical evidence. How, like, how did this happen? There's no way. And they're giving me all these paper, paperwork. And I found out uh, later on that one of my big homies got caught up for a robbery. And he decided to tell the cops, I have information about a shooting. And he gave up my name, my homie Daniel, and another dude name. So that's how the investigation started getting to roll in. So it wasn't even nine months since I started banging from March to December. That's when I got locked up in 2006. You were 16 years old. 16. Had you had you ever, and this is just a common question that I ask in, uh, with homies that have been through similar situations. Have you ever been with a female before? Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, okay. Just, yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. kind of, you know, yeah. weird, you know. Stupid question, yeah, but you yeah. know, uh, I had to ask it yeah. um, because you know you got these guys that do this stretch of time and they don't get out until X amount of years and they're still fucking virgin at fucking, you know, who knows, you know, forty, fifty years old or some of them do life and they don't ever get out and they don't ever lose yeah. their virginity from a woman or you know whatever, dog. But yeah. anyways, um, I mean that's interesting that they come into your school. How were you at, in, as a student in school? Um, I was just doing it to get by, but prior to high school, um, I was a, a and B student. A and B student. And once I hit high school, I, I, I was at the gangbang and stuff. You lost focus. Yeah. Yeah. Your mind was elsewhere, and you were obviously influenced and led by, you know, the wrong crowd. You know, yeah. uh, which, you know, we, we we have choices, and some of us choose wrong and too young and stupid to whatever. You know. But anyway, so it's it's interesting also too that they come into the your to the school with a box that says one eighty seven on it. Yeah. I mean, did it really have like a one eight seven on it? And and I knew that penal code from you know the music. Right? Yeah, the music, right? dog. Yeah, yeah. Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre's and all the yeah. early nineties music, dog. Yeah. I mean, it was it was something popular to say. I mean, to, to talk about the music back then, bro. You yeah. know, what I mean, the m music and not only everything around us, but the music is telling us to kill, do drugs, fuck bitches. You know, I mean, bro, like certain kids in certain environments. 
I mean, everything is stacked against them and everything that they're listening to and everything they're about, bro, and everything that's, you know, whatever, dog, is is really pointing them in the wrong direction, you know? I mean, how many songs back then, bro, were talking about get a job and take care of your kids? Yeah. Not one. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, we were bumping Tupac, Brother Lynch, um, Dre, Snoop, all them just influencing us, you know? Yeah. And so the, 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 you're, old boy gets busted for a robbery gives them information you know now the cops are probably wondering like if this is is this real information is this a real lead and what they got to do is they got to investigate it so they investigate it and and they come see you at that school and what are they showing you are they just showing you different Uh, pictures yeah pictures of the car that got shot up and just paperwork on you know this guy's name this guy's name making statements against us and they're just telling you the names is doing it, huh? Yeah, and I, and I, at oh. first I couldn't believe it. I was like, "That's the big homie. This is this is my best friend, you know, my best friend." Telling right or making a statement against me, and so that's what they go off of those two evidence. And so me and my homie Daniel were were fighting murder. So they they took you in right then and there. Right then and there. Right then yeah. and there. So you you go sixteen years old. Where do they take you from there? Uh, first place I went to was LP. Los Padrinos. Los Padrinos, yeah. Yeah, and that's a that's a juvenile detention center. Yeah. That's something that I used to always go to before they sent me to East Lake. Yeah. That was like the processing for, for my, my area. Yeah. They would take us to Los Padrinos, uh, put our clothes in a bag, take a shower, give us those little fucking dress outs, and bam, off you go. And the next, next couple weeks from there, a week from there, I'd be in uh, uh, East Lake yeah. uh, juvenile halls. Um and so, bro, like, what, what was you? What was what were? You, what did you tell him, bro? Like, obviously, it's like, hey, I didn't do it. Like, right? You, you, yeah. you're holding tight lip, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm living up to my name, silent, right? I'm not gonna say nothing, right? I, I know what went down. Yeah, you know, I know what happened. So I'm thinking, man, th- this gotta be wrong. There's, there's no way, right? There's no way they could pin this on us, and that's, that's my thinking back then. So, right. They're taking me to LP, and the and the cop, the sheriff, he's looking at me like just kind of smirking, you know, like I'm I'm never gonna get out, right? I was like, telling you that. Like he said, look at the streets for the last time, you know, this is gonna be your last time. <coughs> he's so, telling you that as he's taking you from that high school. Yeah, so, you know, I I go to LP. Are right? you scared? I don't know what's going on. <coughs> I, I couldn't even comprehend what was going on. Um, you you weren't computing it. Yeah, I was like for like. Like how, right? And you yeah. know that—that that was my mind state back like, then. Like I would never kill nobody. I mean, but I'm not trying yeah, to make a joke, yeah. but I'm just saying, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Because you, you don't hear about this stuff in the Korean community that much. Um, people get locked up here and there and get out after a few years, but for life. So, right? They—they they take me to LP. I'm getting processed, and even that in itself is a culture shock because I don't see none of my people. I see nothing but Mexicans and blacks. Um, just tied it down. Kids tatted down, face down, neck down. I'm like, man, these, like, in my mind, like, these are the real gangsters. Like, I never ran across these people on the streets. Did you feel like you were a fake gangster? I felt like I was trying to be somebody that but I you wasn't. weren't. Absolutely. Yeah, right? Because I grew up in a, a good neighborhood, good family. Well, um, bro, you got, bro, nine months, st- ooh, excuse me, a, a nine month span, right? Is that yeah. what you said? Yeah. From when you got into the Korean boys into now you're freaking fighting the murder, bro. Yeah. I mean, Prior to that nine months, yeah, bro, you were kind of lost. You were trying to find acceptance because you were just bouncing around from all these neighborhoods. 
You know, you're getting picked on, bro. Your parents aren't home. You have no fucking foundation. You know, bro, I get it, bro. Yeah. I get it, bro. You find these dudes you think is your family, you know? Well, they are your family at the time, right? Yeah. But it's crazy because in this gang cultures of families, there's certain things that are expected of you, with his, which is the, the, the most horrendous shit, yeah. you know? As an adult, I see that. But as a kid, it's a game. Yeah. It's a game. It's a video game. Yeah, straight up. You know, back then we we didn't we 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 yeah, there was Nintendo, bro, but the video games wasn't popping like it is now. Back then we were actually on the streets doing this shit. Now they got Grand Theft Auto where you can run from the cops and do all this shit. Bro, we were doing that shit in real time back in the day, you know? And so now you you go into the Los Padrinos and you're kind of culture shocked. You're like, whoa, I'm in here with like professional kid criminals. Oh, yeah. And you know, honestly, bro, don't get it twisted, dog. Yeah, some of these dudes are, uh, they probably had been in and out a few times, dog. But uh, regardless of the tattoos and the mean mugs and all this other shit, bro, a lot of them were just like you, bro. Oh, yeah. Because when I first went in, bro, I was a good kid, dog, as well, bro. Mm -hmm. They just got, you know, looking, same thing, looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for a family, bro. You know, and bro, I, I I got in, and when you get into that environment, bro, when I got into that environment, I said, fuck that. You know what I mean? Like, shit. Yeah. I don't care if these dudes got more experience than me or if they batter me, bro, I'm gonna fucking like survive with the fittest, baby. Come get this shit, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so what was your mind? What were you thinking walking in here? Obviously you told us like, fuck, look at these dudes. I'm the only fucking Korean dude. Yeah. I mean, how do you, how does that work? So at that, at that moment, I still couldn't process everything because I'm, I'm hearing the conversations. Oh man, what you in here for? People, like violation, three months, six months. And, and they're, they're looking at me like, what you in here for? And I'm like, man, for murder. And, and everybody just looked at me with pity. Like, you're probably not going to get out. You know, and everybody's just doing, I think at the most somebody was doing like a year, you know? Damn, and he, you were in the wrong. You were in the wrong tank. You need, they need to put you in the other tank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you were on the with all the dudes that were petty theft and. Yeah. 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 So after I get through the processing, um, some dudes mad dogging me, right? Mexican dude, and and he goes, "This is Wimas. What's up, fool?" And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, "What the hell is Wimas?" Yeah. Right. And then he goes, "You, you rascal." I'm like, nah. TRGs, huh? So I found out later on what, what that was about. It's the it's TRGs or TRS? Uh, TRG. TRGs, there you go, yeah. And at that at that moment, I'm like, nah, I'm from, you know, Korean boys. All right, all right. I'm like, what the heck? Like, we're about to get down. Yeah. But then later on, I found out, okay, I mean, you know, that the green light with the TRGs in the, in the 90s, but this is 2006. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, okay. And then I'm hearing, you know, the 18th Street MS, they're going at it, and it sounds like they're, trying to kill each other you know i'm like man this is for real for real like they're this is gangbang for real yeah so from lp i get transferred to silmar right so they take me to the hro hro unit which is x y uh wz yeah and then i met two korean homies that i knew from the streets right and i was like what like what's up man and, and i heard that they got locked up uh, a year prior to me um and they, they showed me a lot of love give me a whole bunch of cookies and whatever they can get food so i'm feeling like man like okay man these man it's good to see somebody familiar yeah you know but this whole time is it's, it's so different right um i see everybody fighting gang banging and i'm going to the toilet and i'm using the restroom and there's no uh doors in silmar 
And some some black guy, he walks up and he hits me up on the toilet. Like, hey, cuz, where you from? And I'm like, you know, Korean boy, Inglewood legend, Crip, da da da. What's up? And in my mind, I, I can't, not right now, you know? I'm on the shitter, bro. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't. I just can't, right? I said, I'm cool, right? And then later on, uh, a riot cracks off, you know, with the Mexican and black. And I don't know what the heck is going on, but I see that dude, you know, shout out to Bad Luck, but <laughs> that was his name. But I see that dude from Inglewood. We lock eyes and we start getting down, right? Yeah. And, you know, and, and I had the upper hand, right? I, I got him. And then the Mexican homies, like, they just came and started stomping them out too. And so at that point, they're like, oh, he's one of us, right? They're, they're, he's running with the homies. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you just going with the flow. You trying yeah. to survive, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So after that, uh, I get transferred to YA uh, when Norwalk was open. So they transfer us to uh, Drake. So at that point, it's, it's racial, super racial. The blacks and Mexicans, they segregated us. I'm kicking with the homies, the Mexicans. Um, and then I see that dude, Bad Luck, again. Shout out to Bad Luck, but, you know, but it, it's going on. Inglewood family. Uh, legend. No, no legend, yeah. yeah. Inglewood family or bloods, that's right, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, kids, right, rioting, fighting and all that. It, it's the norm. And, you know. I mean, how are you liking it, bro? Like, like, yeah, you're you're fighting a serious case, but are you embracing this 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 new world that you're living in, bro, that nine months prior to that, bro, you were actually just a lost kid, bro. Yeah. I mean, and now nine months, bro, you're in the big leagues with the biggest criminals, kids in California, bro, and these dudes are freaking savages, dog. You know, but then again, you're not in there for no, you know, you're not in there for no uh, petty crime yourself, bro. So you, you, you're, um, you're, the worst amongst the worst already, so yeah. to speak, right? Yeah. You know, and so how are you embracing that right there? I think my mind still couldn't comprehend that I could be set, like sent away for life. So, and, and you know, you're going through trial, you know, month after month, you're going to court. Um, so in my mind, it's like, we're going to get acquitted. There's no evidence. To, our lawyers are telling us uh, we're going to beat our case. My family scraped up uh, 25 grand to get a lawyer. My, my homie Daniel, my crimey, his family scraped up 75 grand. Right, so our lawyers are saying this is a weak case. So in my mind, it's like, okay, I could do this year in YA, fight, gangbang, whatever, get my respect, come out and be somebody even harder. Yeah, you know. So I'm, I'm kind of embracing it. Um, you know, but of course it's hard. Like it's, it's still like, man, life, right? And you see everybody come back from court getting life, life, life. So, you know, we would in YA is a single man cell. So we'll be up to three in the morning, just chopping it up. Like, we'll, we'll put the blanket by the door. We'll talk about our court cases, our families. Um, we had a little radio. So we'll listen to Power 106 or Ego to Art LeBeau or K-Rock. So that, that was our year, just growing up as teenagers till we, we hit 18. So as soon as you turn 18, you get sent to LA County Jail. How, how was your experience in YA though? You know, was it, you know, how long, how long were you in YA before you went to LA County Jail? Uh, one year. You were there for one year. I'm 17. Okay. 18, yeah. I think you said that too, and I apologize about that. So, for, I mean, one year in YA, bro. I mean, that's, you know, basically gladiator school, right? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, how was it? Were you able to find, um, you know, you said you found some Korean brothers? No, uh, no that was in Silmar. Okay. But. So, yeah. And so you were kind of running with the homies in YA? I mean, how was that working, bro? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know the politics that time. I yeah. was just 
trying to survive. Who was your celly? What kind of celly did you have? No, YA was a uh, single man cell. Single man cells. Yeah. Okay. So my neighbors, I remember Nelco from Fuente. He looked out for me a lot. There's a lot of homies from Hawaiian Gardens and Pomona. Yeah. So that was our crew. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting, bro. Interesting. And they, and they, and they, you said that was our crew, so they accepted you. Yeah. Every day, like we program, like six, seven of us, we program. And what was the program consisting of? Hour day room, watch Simpsons, use the phone, shower, and that's it. Hour a day, and sometimes they'll try to like let little people out, you know, with the blacks, and every time it'll pop off. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's tough. So you, so here we go. You get through a year of YA, um, and now you're getting sent to the LA County Jail, bro. That's the that's that's you know that's the big league right there now. And what's going through your mind, and and what what was the process of that? So during the whole time, um, I'm riding back and forth with my crime, right? And he's telling me it's not like that in the in the county jails, right? The the agents run or program with the blacks, right? But I'm telling him the whole time, man, I'm I'm cool with the, the homies right here. But it's like it's not like that. There's politics. You can't just do that. Um, you can't just fight anybody either. Um, there's no gangbang in, in the county jail. So. Right, the the moment I turn eighteen, I go to the county jail and they put me in a tank with with brothers with blacks, and I'm I'm feeling paranoid. Like, man, this is a setup because everything I went through in YA, but nothing happened. Right, so you know I get sold, I get housed, go through the whole process, and I just learned like there's so much respect. Right, even like the tables, it's just you know you can't go here, you can't go there. So I learned about the politics and the rules. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the and the brothers, at first you were paranoid, but then you realized, hey, man, you got some OGs right here. You got some youngsters that are off the hook. I mean, they, they, they embraced you and they showed you love. They welcomed you into the, you know, the holding cells, the, 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 the pod yeah, the pod as yeah, well. Yeah, because I ended up going to uh, Supermax uh, in Wayside, and there's a Cambodian homie from Asian Boys, and he, he showed me the ropes. Uh, you know, these are the brothers. A lot of the brothers, you know, came down from the pen. This is how they programmed. There's a lot of respect. Um, yeah, so he showed me the get down and learn how to start doing burpees and, you know, the whole get down. Yeah. And so uh, how did you feel from going to YA to now you're in this more uh, dis- disciplined uh, playing field of shit, seasoned vets, bro? Yeah. You know, I mean, did you I mean, I went from juvenile halls to the to L.A. County at, at, at 18, bro. And I was just like, wow, like it just like the whole road just opened up from going to that like lockdown type of uh, environment to being able to go to store. And you got all this just like you can move a whole lot easier. You know, I mean. Yeah, so it was a lot better, more relaxed. I wasn't always like watching my back. And so by the time I got to L.A. County Jail, I had already lost my, my trial. Well, I was already convicted um, of all charges, uh, first-degree murder, attempted murder, shooting at an occupied vehicle, gang enhancement. So I'm awaiting sentencing. So I go to the county jail, and I'm in my mind, it's like, okay, let's just get through the process. I heard the pen is a lot better. There's more <coughs> programs, more stuff, packages. So let's just get this out the way. Um, but for me, when, when I got convicted of all charges, um, that's when it really hit me. Like it really broke me because I started thinking about my family. Um, man, I'm really I'm I'm gonna be gone for a long time, forever, and that was my breaking point. So you're in court, you're in court. You you're going to court from YA, 
And now when you, they're gonna try you as an adult. Yeah. So that's the reason why they they transfer you to LA County Jail because they need to convict you in, in a superior adult course, which is probably CCB. Uh, I was going to Pomona. Okay, Pomona. Okay, so it's in Pomona. So they have to they have to charge you in a in a in a superior court, uh, an adult court. Yeah. You know, and so but you found out while you're going to YA that you had lost, like the the judge in the the YA jurisdiction, the juvenile jurisdiction said, hey. You're guilty. We're 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 bonding you over to, or we're sending you over to the uh, adult. Yeah. So that's called a fitness hearing. So okay. that off the top, I lost my fitness hearing. My case is too violent. Too too. It was just very violent, right? So from the beginning, I was going to adult court. Okay. Um, got gotcha. you. As a juvenile. Got gotcha, you. Got gotcha. you. You know, jumpsuit. So yeah, and and right when they convicted me, that's when I. That was my most breaking point ever. I was like, man, this this is it. I'll probably never come out. Um, and, you know, I broke down. I broke down and my crime me, it was like, man, don't trip. We're gonna come back on appeal. Just be just be strong. But in my mind, it's like, nah, man. Like, this, this is it. And, th- and this is now when you're, obviously you, you, you lost your fitness and you're in adult court and did they give you the actual time that they're convicting you on? No, so we got convicted of all charges, and then when I turned 18, uh, I was awaiting my sentencing. Okay, yeah. so, so let's get to that, brother. So, right, I still remember the date, February 1st, 2008. Um, so we're going back to court, um, and all I hear is just guilty, guilty, guilty of first degrees, guilty of first degree murder, attempted murder. Um, is this by a jury or is this uh, by yeah jury? Because you took it all the way to the box. Yeah, yeah. So altogether, twenty five to life plus twenty five to life plus twenty five to life plus seven to life. And at that point, I was like, life is life, right? And on paper, it said eighty two to life. I'm thinking, all right, this is it, you know. Um, yeah, this is it. And when you were fighting this case, was was the uh, victim's family there? They were there. Uh, I remember uh, the father showing up. Uh, I think it was his sister as well. I see a young lady show up. And the guy that was shot in the face that I shot, uh, he showed up, uh, Calvin Yao. And he wasn't able to speak properly because of the, the wound. Um, and what went, what, what went through your mind when you seen this dude and when you seen the family, like at the time, not now? Yeah. You know, but at the time, what what's going through your head, bro? I mean, are you feeling, you know, feeling, you know, remorse? Like, no, at that time, no remorse at all. In my mind, it was like, you know, they're the enemies, right? And when he showed up to court, I was like, man, I got him good, right? I got him good. I was actually aiming for for uh, for him, um, because he was the driver, right? The the one closest to me. You were aiming for his head. Yeah. Yeah. And you got him in the face. Yeah. And it's, it's horrific, man. And nothing to glorify. No, um, absolutely not. And, yeah, it's, it's, so, it's, it's such a shame. Such a shame that a lot of kids like me, right, we don't think about our consequences. We just want to get respect for what? You know, for the hood, for the, for the gang. But... We don't think about the the collateral damage after that, right? And and it's still going on the ripple effects. <clears throat> and 
And I do think about the family all the time, every time. Now, but let's not get to now. Let's get to back then, bro. Because in order for to share proper story like in and I, and I and I respect you and I appreciate you being transparent and the only reason you can be transparent about this and we talked about this beforehand is just because you were charged with this crime bro yeah you were charged with this crime you get sentenced to 82 years bro yeah you said you you that when you're on your sentencing you broke down well on my conviction I broke down on your conviction you yeah. broke down yeah Okay, and so the sentencing, um, I was, you already knew it. Yeah, it was it was already soaked yeah. in. Yeah, and you were just like, "Fuck it, I'm all in now." No, because when I broke down, um, I started thinking about my family. Right, I started thinking about the pain that I put them through. Right, all the year, I mean, all the months they're visiting me. They're visiting me every month. Um, in when I was in uh, LA County, <clears throat> when I was in YA, they're visiting me every week. Right, and it's still a long process. Even though it's like an hour, two hour drive waiting, but it's still it's still strenuous. So by that time, I was like, I don't want to do this no more, right? I don't want to hurt my family no more. I don't want to bring shame to them no more. So when I broke down, I I bargained with God. I told God, just just give me peace, just give me comfort, comfort my family, and I'll serve you for the rest of my life. So. Even then, I was still being selfish, right? Still bargaining with God. But that's when I made a choice to, you know what? I'm not going to commit another violent act no more, right? And of course, there was a process that it was hard. Like, it was hard to change. But I just knew at that point, I'm not going to be violent no more. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and, and so it's kind of interesting that you and that, that so that's kind of like I don't mean to put you on the spot, bro, but it's it's kind of like you just said when you were seen, you know, the kind of the, the dude that you got, bro. You're thinking like, yeah, I got him good, and then now that you're getting sentenced, and the fucking whole world fall on top of you, now you're feeling. A little bit, you're feeling remorse, bro. You want to change your ways. You want to do all that shit. But kind of shortly before that, you felt differently. I mean, were you still just in a phase? You were it like, did it not really get real until that judge fucking put that fucking mallet down and said, hey, court adjourned? Yeah, because when when he was coming out to court, it was still during the uh, the, the witness phase calling out witnesses. So that was several months before my conviction. Got you. And then I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like put you like that, bro. I just, yeah. but I don't, I wanted to kind of clarify that, yeah. but it's still a still, you know, it's still kind of a short time, bro. But I get it though. I mean, Hey, you know, it's a lot of dudes sign up for this stuff and it's cool and it's in style and we were looking for love in the wrong places. You know, we were tired of being a skater slapped around or whatever the, your personal situation was. Um, but, uh, yeah. You know, so you, you, you get sentenced. You, you, you have a conversation with God that that's it. You know, I mean, was that a good time to, to do that? I mean, some dudes just got no fucks after that and they go hard for a while in the state system and then they, you know, find their path. You found your path early on. Early on yeah. compared to these other guys. Yeah. And 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 it wasn't easy because 
when I went to the county jail, um, I remember I'm in the visiting room, just, just waiting for my visit, and somebody's just mad dogging me, like just mad dogging me, and you know he's squatting down and and he gets up, and I see his tattoos, right, and that's the enemy right there, and he walks over to me and he starts, you know, dissing my hood and disrespecting me, f you, f your homies. And, and by this time, I had already just given my life over to God. And, but at the same time, I, I just got life, right? So my mind, I, I, man, if it goes down, it's gonna go down, right? But I kept thinking about my family. Like, they're, they're waiting to see me right now. They're, they're waiting in, the, in the, the processing tank or the, the visiting room. And I can't, I, I'm not gonna do it, right? And, and he disrespected me, but I just, I just took it, right? I took it. Everything in me wanted to just react, right? And that was the hardest thing for me to do at 18 years old. I, I took it, and he saw that I wasn't reacting. And he's all right. Just walked away. Yeah, and you went out and seen your family. Yeah. And so, how much time did you have to serve, or how much how much time did you end up serving out of those 82 years? I did 14 years. You did 14 years. I mean, how did you, how, how was, how was it, we'll get to how you got to only doing 14 years after being sentenced to 82 years, but you hit the penitentiary for your first time. Yeah. You know, and how was that, how was that experience and where, where did you go? I started off in Pelican Bay. You started off in Pelican Bay, huh? Yeah. Because of your freaking crime, right? Yeah, all my points added up. Yeah, you're in a four yard. You start off on a four yard. Yeah. And how was that? Man, only time I heard about the bay was in the movie Training Day, Ice Cube. So when they told me from reception, you know, I got down there a thousand push-ups just to get ready. I don't know what to expect, you know. So when I hit the yard, B yard, right? And, and everybody knows when you come off the bus, they know. Okay, the name. That's an Asian homie right there. So I get off of orientation and the Asian homies, they, they embrace me, right? They introduce themselves and I recognize those names from like their notorious names, right? So I remember one of them was on America's Most Wanted from Van Nuys Asian Boys, right? So I'm like, oh, these are these guys right here. Yeah. So they embraced me. They gave me everything I needed, food, package, clothes, on hygiene. And this is it, you know, let me know if you need anything else. And so, they, they obviously, I mean, when you come from L.A. County Jail, you already basically know the rules and the regulations. And uh, that, that can, going through L.A. County Jail can make uh, the transition to a, uh, the cream of the crop, Pelican Bay, name brand. I mean, if, 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 if prison was a name brand shoe, Pelican Bay would have been the Nike, right? That would yeah. have been the Air Jordan right there. Yeah. You know? I mean, how was it? You know, walking onto a Pelican Bay yard, bro. All right, you get embraced by the Asians and they hook you all up and shit. But are you scared? I mean, what's going through your mind? I'm nervous because um, I'm I'm scrawny, right? And people are still asking me like, hey, "Where are you from?" Right? You know, just asking me politely, "Where are you from?" Yeah. You know, but I'm still in that YA mentality, so I'm like, "Man, I'm from you know Korean boys." Right? Yeah. Just acting, you know, just arrogant. So they're like, "Hey, youngster, like, you know, just chill, right? We we don't do this over here. We're yeah. Together, right?" So they, they give me the get down, right? They tell me, oh, this is where we kick it at. Um, this is our area. And I'm just like, man, like I'm, I'm, I'm almost fascinated, 
right? Because I'm looking at all these different gang members, right? That you hear about so much in the movies and the and the, and the songs. Well, these well these gang members you're in the and yeah these gang members that you're in the yard with in Pelican Bay are the reason are that these stories are behind in the songs and the movies. Yeah. Like these are the real fucking dudes, bro. Yeah. You know, and yeah, so yeah, you're you're just like, whoa, fuck, this shit is real as fuck. Look at these fucking animals. Yeah. I mean, what stuck out the most out of all the all the races or out of everybody right there? What something always sticks in my head the first time I hit the yard. What was the first thing besides just seeing all these guys? What stuck out to you? Do you remember seeing someone's face, the way they were dressed? Yeah, I remember uh, a black guy. He had like a big old, uh, I think it was like eleven on his face. Usually, you see like a lot of the Mexican homies tatted, but you don't really see blacks like, like tatted too much on their face. But yeah, I remember, man, you know, just seeing that, I was like, man, this is this is it. Yeah. So this is it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, so how did you? Yeah, I mean, how did you settle in with in your cell with another Asian brother or another? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was Vietnamese. Vietnamese. From San Jose, and he gave me he gave me the whole rundown. He he woke up four in the morning, did his program, worked out, bird bath. Um, we always ate together. We're, we're we're tight. We're close. How much time was he doing? Life without parole. Life without parole. Yeah. Is he still in there right now? Still in there. He's still in there. Yeah. Okay. And so this dude gives you the rundown, and he, how long had he be, had he been down already? Uh, fifteen years at that time. Oh, he had been down fifteen years. Yeah. So this dude's kind of like at the time a young OG, maybe. Oh yeah, for sure. And now he's. A super a triple OG now probably. Man, that's what you want to call it. Well, I'm just yeah. saying like he's obviously yeah. a lot older yeah, now. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean, if he was down 15 now, oh, you know, yeah. then you know what I mean, and now, right? You know, like God damn it, bro. Yeah. Um, and was he in for a similar crime as yours? Triple murder. Triple murder. Yeah. Gang related. Yeah, I mean, most of the dudes in Pelican Bay, I would say they are in there for the most heinous crimes in California. Yeah. You know, that's, I believe that's one of the highest security uh, prisons in the state of California, Pelican Bay, you know, and here you are at 18 years old, right? Yeah. Walking off the bus into Pelican Bay. How was the ride all the way up there? Man, it's like 18 hours. Yeah. Um, it's, tr it's pretty treacherous, huh? Yeah. I saw a lot of green, a lot of forest, greenery. Um, can't talk on the bus. Um, I had to go pee. I, I couldn't. Right, I was nervous, right, chained up, yeah. waist, feet. Yeah, they got it. And for those that don't know, there's a, actually a bathroom in the back of the bus. It's basically, you can't take a shit. You can only piss because yeah. you, you're chained to your waist. And then usually by the bathroom, sitting right next to the bathroom is a dude with a shotgun yeah. telling everybody to shut the fuck up before they basically blow blow your fucking head off or, you know, whatever threats they're saying, you know what I mean, yeah. to, to keep you to sh shut the hell up. But them motherfuckers don't forget, too, bro. I've had a couple times, bro, the bus pulls over, bro, and, and they'll pull over and they'll be like, all right, motherfucker, I told you like three times oh, to yeah. shut the fuck up. Yeah. And what do they do to those dudes, bro? I seen them do, I seen them do, yeah, bro. Mop them up. Yeah, I seen them, bro. I've seen them do some shit. They flip a dude upside down. They chain you up, all fucked up in a, in a and they put you in a single in in one of those cages. Yeah, you're not sitting all the way in the back now, bro. Like, I, bro, them dudes do not fuck yeah. around, dude. Them dudes driving them buses, bro, are fucking. Yeah, and and especially when they got a busload of dudes going to Pelican Bay. Yeah, yeah, it's probably a little. It might be a little worse depending on who's on that bus because I'm sure there's some dudes that they ain't gonna fuck with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're they're kind of them dudes. But if they got a whole batch of like new new, you know what I mean? New yeah. dudes hitting the yard or something, I can see them being fucking hundred percent assholes. But so, 
and I don't mean to fucking uh, revert from what we're talking about, bro. You know what I mean? But I just kind of like, I, I know that bus ride is a long bus ride, bro. Yeah. That's the only reason I, I asked you about that. Um, and so you were in with this Vietnamese homie. I mean, how was it living with him? I mean, um, he was programming, obviously, four in the morning. Yeah. I hated dudes that got up that early in the morning. Yeah. But go ahead. Uh, man, when I when I came in, first thing he asked me, uh, "Do you sit or stand when you pee?" And at first I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, but it's a silly question. But he was very respectful about it. He was like, "Well, if you stand, I'll stand. But if you sit, I'll sit." Okay. Right. So I learned that early on that yeah. you know we sit when we pee. But if I had anyone else come into the cell, I would do the same. If you stand, I'll stand. So I learned respect from early on. Um, yeah. So you know, he gave me the whole rundown, right? And Right, even though we're other, um, we're, 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 even though we're unified, right, he'll tell me, okay, those are the Koreans over there, like the, the, the Vietnamese, the Cambodians, right? So everybody had their own car, right? The Samoans. So he was just giving me the breakdown. Even though we're others, we're together, like we still have our separate cars. And so, so since you had a Vietnamese, you said you ate and everything with them. You, I mean, you didn't, you didn't break off and go post up with the Koreans or. So later on, you know, he told me, look, there's another Korean homie over there. We're going to try to move you out. And I, I don't know what's going on. So I'm like, okay, cool. No problem. Yeah, yeah. So normally the Vietnamese, the Chinese, they sell up together. Got you. Cambodians and the Laos. A hundred percent. Yeah. And um, so you, 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 I mean, you find, you find your people. I mean, how is it like, you know, programming, you know, and on the others, I mean, we always talk about the homies you know, the program, but when it comes to the others and you guys are basically um, aligned with the blacks, I mean, uh, you know, how, how was that? Was it was it a good relationship? I mean, living like that? I mean, did, what kind of, did you find, hit any kind of bumps in the road? Um, well, on the 180 yard, we we didn't run with the blacks. Okay. Uh, because we don't we didn't have to share day rooms. Got you. Um, so we had our own area, um, but that was until when I went to like a 270 or level three. Yeah. That we did share the, uh, day rooms with the blacks. Got you. Got yeah. you. Okay. For sure. Yeah. And um, how did you pass your time? You did 14 years. How did you pass that time? Um, I stayed busy. I, I, I didn't like staying idle, so I read a lot. I took a lot of college courses. What kind of books were you reading? Uh, just a lot of theology. Okay. Because uh, I, I gave my life over to God, so I was reading a lot of Christian books, a lot of the Bibles. Um, I was taking the colleges up there, um, theology colleges, so all based around Christianity. And it, and it did it did it? I mean, did it help you find hope and maybe a new purpose in life in the new life that you're now living? I mean, you know, some people. I mean, when they get caught up in that circumstance, I mean, they're just lost and they, it's hard to find their footing. So that was was that an outlet for you to keep your sanity yeah. thought you going crazy in there yeah because i grew up going to church when i was young okay so, so you're so, familiar so that was my roots so i came back to my roots and it, it made sense to me um right just when i prayed god just give me peace and, and having a sense of peace it made sense to me um and 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 some of the homies would question me like you know, you're always going to school. You're always at work. Uh, what's up? You know, I mean, I'm. This is my program. You know, just. But I always made sure I gave my respects. I came came around the area, shake their hands, said what's up. Um, but I was just trying to stay busy. I I had to stay busy. I I don't want to stay idle. 
um, I want to, I, I just felt like I, want, I needed to grow. I didn't want to be confined. Yeah, and it was your way out of that, those, those, those locked uh, gates and walls and towers and everything like that. That was your way out to find peace within your mind and yourself, like keep your sanity together. I mean, when it comes to, and I know with amongst the homies sometimes, bro, like we can frown down upon the homies that are all of a sudden Christian. Yeah. You know, like, ah, bro, you know what I mean? All of a sudden you're Christian, dog. You know what I mean? You know, everyone's always got some shit to say, even though, you know, the the last time I was was in, bro, I didn't frown down upon none of that because I grew a little bit, bro. And I said, that's good for you, dog. Do what's good for you, my G. You know what I mean? But probably as a kid, dog, I was probably one of those assholes, bro. Like, just fucking fool. All of a sudden, a Christian. Wait till the dope gets here, dog. Yeah. He gonna put that Bible to the side and he gonna be sitting in front of the block, dog. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, but, you know, did the, did the Asian brothers, I mean, uh, ever give you a hard time? I know they questioned you about it, yeah. you said, bro, but did they frown or look at you less of an individual? Uh, I felt like some of them didn't expect, like, respect me, um, but some of them did because I walked the talk. Right, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't gambling, I wasn't smoking, getting tattoos. Uh, that was my program, just going to school, uh, work, church, and just to better myself. I always stayed working out, so I was fit. Um, and some of them respected me for that. Yeah. Um, so after Pelican Bay, uh, they opened up uh, Corcoran, uh, which is a 270 level four. And that's a brand new yard. So a lot of people from High Desert and Pelican Bay were coming down. And everybody's establishing tables, territories, the, there's northerners on the yard. Um, and then that's when people were really questioning me, like, like, you know, who you run with? Like, what, like, what you about? You know, and I told them, look, I'm a Christian, right? I'm, of course, I'm still other, but I'm a Christian. And I remember one of the guys told me, you know, uh, then you know what time it is, right? If you don't get involved, then you know what time it is, you know what you got coming. So at that at that point, I understood what that meant, and I was willing to ride and die for the hood, the gang. So now for me, it's like this is what I believe in. So if I got something coming, then I'm gonna stand up for what I got coming. So after that, they respected me. They 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 didn't give me a hard time. Uh, sometimes you know my name would come up, um, and some of them would speak up for me. Like no, that's that's call me Justin, the Christian brother Justin. Leave him alone. You know. So a lot of them did respect me for that. Is it hard being, is it hard being a Christian, in these in these high level yards? I think for us it, it isn't as hard, but having conversations with you know Southerners and even some of the blacks, uh, yeah, uh, for them. For but for us it it wasn't as hard. I think the hard part is just getting over just wanting to fit in, right? Now you're trying to fit out. Yeah. I'm, I'm a square. Yeah. 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 I mean, originally, like, I was, like, huh, I like to think that I was a square at one point right. in time. I might be still a square right now, dog, in some people's eyes, you know. Who know what the sh- who who knows what the really, what really the shape of a square is? No, <laughs> wait, we know that. That's stupid. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but, yeah, no, for sure. You know what I mean? Um, and so, bro, 14 years. Bro, you, you, I mean, did they go by quick did, after the first five years, 10 years? I mean, how did it all go down to you got to that board hearing? Like, what was the, what were the steps to that? So, you know, after going through the level fours, I dropped points. I went to level three, Sentinella B yard um, from 012 to 015 when it was GP. Yeah. Um, right. And same thing. People were questioning me, uh, you know, 
who you run with or what you're about. Yeah. Same program. I'm I'm healthy. I'm working out, and you know, and I'm still I'm still programming, going to school, getting my my group, my AANA, all that. So I'm stacking up my record, right? I got my GD, my college degree, so I'm doing good. What kind of college degrees did you get in there? Uh, I got my AA in theology. Okay. And a BA in theology as well. Is that hard to do in there? It's just a lot of hours that you got to put in. You got nothing but time in there too. Yeah. I mean, compared to uh, some people on the streets, bro, maybe to get uh, a BA or an AA. What is an AA? Is that four years or uh, five years? Two years. That's two years. Two years. Okay, so a BA four years. is four years. Okay. And so some people on the streets, it would take them four years on the streets. How long would that take you in, 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 in there, inside the prison system? It took me about the same time because we go on lockdowns um, for months and months. So okay. we can't get the, the material or we can't go to class. So one, one uh, school, it took me like six years to finish because I've been bouncing around, transferred and all that. And, the, and those and those files and documents are following you. It's all put into the CDC. C-file. Yeah, your CDC file. Yeah. Okay. And so well, that's that's good, bro. You, I mean, you know, you, you you got yourself in there for some crazy ass shit, bro. You know, but now you you're, you're seeing a different light. You know, and that's 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 on the Christian side. You're back to your old roots. You know, and you're getting you're doing all the steps. Are you are you doing these steps? To get out, or are you just like you said, you're just doing these steps to to stay busy and and educate yourself yeah. and change your mental process potentially, right? Or to grow? Yeah, because I still have my my time, um. So it wasn't even about getting out. Okay. But I think about seven years into my time, they passed a law SB two sixty, which allows youth offenders to go to a parole hearing after their twenty fifth year. So for me, I was like, man, I've only been down, what, seven, eight years? That's still a long ways ahead, so that's not even in my mind. I just want to better myself, stay busy, get out the cell, you know? Yeah. So, and then I drop points, go to level two, solid that. Um, and that's a lovely yard. There's a lot of sports, um, a lot of program, and that's where I actually really learned a, a lot of stuff. I learned how to sew, I learned how to be a barber. Um, there was a program yard, a lot of lifers there. And Right, we we're able to play uh, basketball or softball uh, with different races. I never experienced that in other prisons, right? Um, so that was cool. And then 2018, that's when a lot of the people were getting kicked out from the shoe. So a lot of the, you know, the heavy hitters landed on that yard, like five of them. Um, and it, it straight changed from a level two, it ran like a level four, right? A lot of people were locking it up. Um, and I, I like to play basketball a lot. So I would play ball, and I don't know who I'm playing with. You know, some, some new guys pulled up, and they'll be like, man, hey, Justin, you got to chill. Don't be too aggressive. That's so-and-so. You don't want to foul that dude too hard. Yeah, for real. <laughs> you don't want to even touch him. Don't even guard him. Yeah, and but, but it was a trip because I've never saw so much reverence or respect given to those individuals. They had their entourage, um, even the cops. They, they don't mess with them. They don't search them. Nothing, huh? Yeah, and... Because and those dudes hold a power in the system, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? And respect to salute to those gentlemen. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely, bro. You know, so you, you're starting to see these dudes coming down, you know, from... You know, they, they had done the hunger strike and yeah. things got passed and, and now these dudes are, you know, out of that cage, bro. And you said uh, some dudes changed that level two yard to a four yard running type of program and then dudes started locking it up and you know whatever bro um and was that kind of like 
you know, what were you thinking, bro, when you're seeing this happen? It was just a beautiful yard. You were you're actually in a, an oasis, so to speak, bro, yeah. right? Coming down from these fucking Pelican Bay to this two yard. You're having a good time, bro. I mean, it's you're getting you're getting closer to freedom. You know, you're getting more freedom, more time yeah. out the cell, bro. Yeah. Not locked down. I mean, I know how that feels, bro. A lot of people don't know how that feels, and that's good. You don't need to know how that yeah. feels because it's fucking, it's not cool. It's not a good experience. You know what I mean? But we do what we do to ourselves, and hey, we got to do. We put that upon ourselves. You know, so the, the yard is starting to change. And what, what's going through your mind now? And it's a trip because I saw people flip like switch just like that because guys that were that I was cool with you know the southerners we play ball every day and now they're just like militant right just straight war mode and right people were getting stabbed almost every day weekly you know they're cleaning house so you know it was affecting our program lockdown lockdown not coming out not being able to use the phone um and then other issues were coming up melees riots right and it was ugly ugly and we'll be on lockdown for months and months and months. And it's just, man, back to a Pelican Bay, it felt like. And it, it tripped me out because all these guys that I was playing ball with, they're youth offenders too, right? They've been down 20, about 20 years at the time, and they, they're up for the parole board in, in several years. But now they're putting in work. And I'm, and I'm just like, man, this, this is sad. This is insanity. They're, they have a chance to come home. I see beautiful family their their wives come their kids come but because of the politics they're just throwing it all away yeah yeah hey sometimes when it starts raining bro you got to put the fucking trench coat on bro you know what i mean you know the weather changes sometimes you know and it's it's a tough environment bro it's a tough environment bottom line you know what i mean and you know those dudes did what they had to do you know yeah um just like you were doing what you had to do at the time. So you continue, you're continued on with your journey. You're like, all right, things are changing. It's a little harder to get out the cell now. You know, it's a little harder to get into school. And so when do you find out, bro? Like, what is the, your, the process from there, bro, as you're heading towards getting out? So by that time, I've been down about 12 years. And it was Governor Brown's uh, last year, which was 2018 in office. So a lot of people were filing for clemency which is a, a, a commutation of your sentence. And a lot of the CEOs were like, man, you know, Chung, you're doing good. You know, why don't you file for a clemency? I'll, I'll write you a, a, good, a chrono, a 128. Yeah. So okay. my, my supervisors were writing me chronos. Um, so I sent in an application. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm not thinking much of it. Right, I'm I'm asking the governor governor to review my case based on good behavior. I got my 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 record straight, my clean time, no write ups. Um, got my college degree, so everything checks out. I'm a youth youth offender, so I I filed for clemency, um, and then about six months later, I I get something back. Um, go to the I have a a, a meeting with uh, the governor's uh, one of the board members from the governor. Wow, so. We're having this conversation, right? He has a tape recorder right here, and go back to your childhood, and why did you commit your crime? And I broke it down. Like, this is who I was back then, and this is who I am now, this is what I've been doing, and this is what I've been doing to account for everything that I've done. And I said, okay. And the last question he asked me was, why should you deserve a, a commutation of your sentence? And I told him, I don't deserve anything at all. I know I deserve to die in prison for what I've done. 
but I just want you guys to know that I'm not the same kid that I came in. I'm a different man now, and that's who I want you to see today. Um, oh, that's heavy, bro. That's heavy. That gave me the chills a little bit, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's heavy, bro. Because here we are, 14, 14 years. I mean, it's a, it's. I think it's like dog years almost in prison, you know? Even though sometimes time does go by quick. Yeah. You know? But um, it, it's, a, it's a lot of time to reflect, you know, yeah. on the past, you know? And you got to make a choice in your mind how you're going to move forward. You made that from the beginning. So you tell the governor's, what was it, the governor's? Uh, it was a... Uh, some type of assistant or the, something? The middleman. Yeah. From, the, from BPH. Okay. Yeah. And so, and, and, and does everybody's letter for clemency get as quick as hurt as yours did? I think at that time, because he was leaving office, there's a few of my friends that got interviewed too and got granted clemency as well. So. And why did he do that? Why did the Governor Brown do that, bro? Like, why do you do that leaving office? Is, is it just something that he was going to do? I mean, and I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of people uh, uh, in the community, people that weren't about that life, yeah. living, paying, pa- t- packs, paying citizens, biting the law, you know, that are probably pissed about that. Governor mm-hmm. Brown doing that. You know? Yeah, I think he wanted to make things right, right? Giving uh, excessive sentences to juveniles. Yeah. So a lot of the people that were granted clemency were youth offenders, people that came in 16, 15, Absolutely. Some 14. So they're reducing our sentence uh, so we can go to the parole board um, a lot earlier. But not everybody was getting granted. Of course, you had to done the work, had, had some clean time as well. So a lot of people were uh, getting granted clemency where I was at. So you, you so you have this this kind of hearing, this tape recorded hearing, yeah, with a female or a dude, of the guy, with some dude, some guy, and um, you you he said, all right, well, I'm gonna get back to you. No, he said he didn't say nothing. I'm gonna submit this to the governor, and then after that, it's up to him. Does the governor actually hear that tape recording? I think to there's, a certain extent, because there's, there's probably a board that hears that and makes yeah, that decision, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because he just signs it into law, right? Yeah. Because it was on on right before Thanksgiving in twenty eighteen. Um they called me to the, the lieutenant's office and they said, Chung, you got a call from the governor's office. So I had a feeling, okay, this might be it. And the lieutenant called over there and I spoke with the, the governor's attorney and she said, you know, verify your C D C number, what's your name? And then she said, well, Mr. Chung, Governor Brown's been very impressed with your change. Congratulations. He reduced your sentence from 82 years to life to 15 years to life. And I was like, man, I have a chance to come home. Yeah. Man. And so so you, 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 you have that phone call. You go back to your cell. And, I mean, walking back to yourself from that phone call, bro, I mean, what's going through your mind, bro? Man, I'm thinking I'm going to call my mom. Um, I could probably have a family one day. That's something I never dreamt about. I, I blocked all that from my, my dreams, right? Getting married, having kids, having a career. And I was just, just thinking, man, I, it's a possibility now. I could do what I want. I can achieve my dreams. And so how far was it, was your pro date from that phone call? Uh, six months. Six months. Yeah. Because you, you're already down for 14, right? Uh, by the, at that time, uh, 13. 
13. Yeah. Okay. And um, it's like 85%, right? 85%. Yeah, it's yeah. 85%. So six months from there, I mean, did you did it just come up one morning or did you say, hey, check it out since you 15 Live, this is your new pro date. So you knew your pro date was coming in six months. Yeah, so the counselor called me. Um, and she gave me all my paperwork. This is your commutation paper. This is the governor's signature. Um, and she's just kind of prepping me. Like, this is what I've prepped for you on your C file, all your programs that you have done. And it felt good. And, and my counselor was cute, right? And, you know, I, I enjoyed, like, her, you know, coming to see me all the time. So I was like, man, this this is cool. So, of course, I do the work. It's very strenuous, very arduous. You you have to know your causative factors. You have to get evaluated by a psychiatrist. So it's very intense. Um, so you, I, I prepare myself for six months. Um, I go to the parole board, two-and-a-half-hour hearing, and just lay it all on the table, right? Just account for everything that I've done, everything that I didn't get caught for, other crimes. And... After the end of the hearing, they found me suitable for parole. And another thing is, if you're a lifer, you have to get screened by the governor after the, the suitability. So you wait four to five months, and then the governor has to approve your release. So the next four or five months go by, and you know I'm getting anxious, and, and I'm already thinking, okay, I'm going to get deported. So I'm, I'm getting ready, having everything ready in Korea. You have family in Korea? My my aunt is over there. Okay. Um, this is South Korea. South Korea. So, you know, I'm getting ready to go home. Um, so this is 2019 now. And uh, my counselor comes and calls me to the office, and I'm thinking I'm going to sign my parole papers. And she goes, Chung, uh, Governor Newsom, he reversed your parole. And I was like, like, don't play with me, lady. Like, don't play. She's like, I'm serious, Chung. Uh, he took your parole date, and and that's when I felt like I was sentenced to life again. I was like, man, I got to do this all over again. And and I was like, how am I going to tell my family this, right? So I remember that day, um, I, I got out of work. I was like, I, I can't work today. Um, I'm just walking down the corridor in, in Soledad, the long hallway, and I finally wait to the last phone call that I can make, 845, and I finally call my mom. And, you know, she's shopping at Costco, right? She's like, what kind of shoes should I get you? What kind of socks? And I can't talk. I can't talk. And she, she felt that something was wrong. And I just broke down again. I'm not coming home. I'm not coming home. And she's like, what, what happened? Governor, like, she knows the process. She was like, so he didn't sign your papers? I was like, no. Um, so what does that mean? Did he take away your commutation too? I was like, no, I got to go back to the parole board. So I started getting ready for the parole board again. And so what is the process of getting ready for the parole board again? So he hit me with a lack of insight. Um, he said I didn't have too much insight into my life crime. Um, so I was like, I, I spoke about everything. But I, I reread my transcripts over and over again. And I'm like, what? So I started just writing more, 30 more pages, everything that I can think of to connect everything to my childhood. Just I was just tripping out, like, how, how? Like, what, did, what did I miss here? Yeah, it, it, and I was just writing every little detail that I can remember. So at that time, um, I had an attorney, and he was like, man, this is wrong. What the governor did was wrong. 
um, I'm going to appeal it. And I was like, hold on. Like, we're talking about the governor of California. And he's like, no, it's wrong. I'm going to appeal it. So he got everything ready in a month's time, and he appealed the governor. Um, about eight, nine months go by. Um, and then I heard back from the court, back in L.A. Superior Court. And the judge uh, granted immediate release. Wow. He reversed the governor's reversal and reinstated the parole board's grant. What the fuck? Yeah. So the, a judge has the power yeah. to supersede, is that the right word? Yeah. T- supersede the governor's yeah. judgment? Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously that's something that's um, acceptable in that in that court of law or whatever yeah, you want. There's, that, there's three branches of power, the governor, the court, and I forgot the other one. But, but I didn't know the, gov- the 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 court can trump a governor. I thought the governor can just like, hey, you got a pardon, bro. Don't worry about these guys. Well, because I appealed the the legal the the legal stuff, the lack of insight, and all the court cases that he cited. Okay. So he took the court cases out of context. Gotcha. So I did have insight and all the reasons why I should be granted parole. Okay. Okay. So they. <laughs> You find out now that you have immediate release. So, release. you know, and when you're in jail it's and you're doing court, you're in court, it's always the waiting game. Hurry up and wait. Yeah. Hurry up. We got to get you to L.A. County Jail. We got to get you to this court. Waking you up at 2 in the fucking morning. Chain, blah, 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 all this shit. Yeah. You know, you're getting at the courthouse at 5 in the morning, 6 in the morning. Court don't open till 8. And you don't see court until maybe 3. I mean, it's always hurry up and wait. I mean, when they say... This dude, immediate release. What did, what did that consist of? Was it immediate release? I mean, it took two days. Two days, <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. it was, took two days. Okay. Yeah. So they got to process everything. They got to call ICE. Um, but, I, man, I made it through CDC, the courts. I made it through the parole board, the governor. I'm like, I'm glad this is over. So I don't care where, where I go. I just want to get out of the state. So I was happy. I, I called my family and... I told him, look, ICE is going to pick me up. Don't pick me up. And we'll see. I'll see you in Korea. Okay. And your family was getting ready to, to fly out to Korea yeah. and, and and greet you right there. And so you you get sent. ICE picks you up yep. on your immediate release, which is two days later. Yep. And and so you, you're, you're getting let out to get handcuffed by ICE. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. To get to get obtained by ICE. So you're you're getting you know and let, this is back to what we were talking about earlier. So now you're on ICE, which is federal, yeah. and you get put into where where are you at with ICE? What what federal facility are you in? So I ended up in Mesa Verde in Bakersfield. Okay. And when I got there, somebody had just passed away from COVID, and this was uh, May or June in 2020, so the height of the pandemic. So when I got there, there was a big old lawsuit going on. And I just happened to be in that facility where people were doing the lawsuits. Um, I filed right away with the help of my attorney. Um, and then within three days, um, the, the ICE judge granted bond because of the pandemic. Okay. And so now here we go and getting released again. You get released from ICE, your family picks you up. Yeah. I mean, what is your, uh, what is your thought process of Okay, here we go again. Now it's really happening, and you're getting the handcuffs taken off you. You're probably walking out with a manila folder and, I don't know, maybe some pictures. I don't know, bro, but I'm yeah. just saying you're walking out, yeah. and, like, what, what, what is your thought process, bro? You know what I mean? Like, what's going through your mind? I'm like, man, it's over. It's finally over. 
but but in the back of my mind, it's like, man, I hope they don't do no, no reverse stuff again. Yeah, you're not you you don't you don't you don't feel it's real until you're actually stepping foot outside of that facility. Yeah. So you step foot outside that facility. Yeah, but before I do, they put an ankle monitor on me because that's one of the requirements of me getting out on bond. So they put this ankle monitor on me. Um, I get out. My lawyer is there and my mom is there, and that's all I wanted to see that day, or or for them to pick me up. So, man, just hugging my mom. My mom was crying. Um, just coming home from a life term, you know. And I appreciate my attorney. Right, he fought for me. Um, it's a it's not my trial attorney, but they gave me a state appointed attorney uh, based on the juvenile law. This was like six, seven years into my time. But he fought for me. The dude was legit. He believed legit. in you. Yeah, he, he believed did. in your change, huh? Yeah, legit. And what 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 is how, what kind of conversation do you have with a mom that you love, right? When she knows, like, did you ever have that conversation with her? Like, did she ever tell you, Justin, I didn't raise you like that, you know? Like, wh- why would you do something like that? You know? No, for her, she felt like it was her fault because I was a minor at that time. And all my friends' mom uh, were calling my mom when I first got busted. What kind of mom are you? You're a horrible mom. You know, you don't deserve a son. So my mom lived with all that guilt. So she felt so bad. She felt like it was my fault for, I mean, her fault for for me going to prison. But I would constantly tell her I knew what I was doing. I knew the wrong that I was doing. I still ignored it. I, I was ignoring you. It's not your fault. But she still feels a sense of guilt to this day. But I'm telling mom, no, it's not you. It, it was me. It's all me. Yeah. And so what do you do the first day that you're out? Uh, I went to go visit my pops. Um, he died while I was locked up. What um, did he, what did he, my condolences, what did he pass from? Uh, he died from cancer, uh, esophagus, esophagus cancer. From smoking? From smoking. Uh, and my grandfather had passed away a month prior to me getting out. So they were buried in Rose Hills and Whittier. Yeah. So I went to go see them, pay my respects and condolences. Um, how long? How long did your? Uh, I think you said it right now, but how long did your pops pass away in your sentence? It was in 2016. So a couple years before you got let out. So 10 years, 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you go through that when you were in there? Man, that was a whole other battle because you can't cry in prison, right? It's a, it's a sign of weakness. Um, but one thing I did appreciate was in Soledad they, there was a Korean chaplain. So he showed Korean movies for, for our community. So they showed a movie about a family being torn apart from war in the 50s and the 60s. And there's a lot of older uh, Korean gentlemen. So they experienced the war, uh, having their families torn apart. So everybody's crying, right? And then I'm like, yeah, I could cry too. So there was a scene where uh, in the end, you know, after the kid gets separated from his family, he grows up. He's a grandfather now, but he has a family of his own. And everybody's just laughing and chilling. Um, and he goes to a room and looks at his dad that he never found because they were separated from the war. And he just broke down crying. And for me, that was like a, a, a sense of healing for me. I cried for like two hours and I needed to grieve that day. And after that, I, I never cried, never cried. Yeah. Huh. Sometimes you gotta cry to let that shit out, yeah. get the weight of it off you, you know? I feel that, bro. I mean, yeah. my my sister passed last time I was uh, in prison from cancer, dog, and she was yeah. a year younger than me, bro. And that shit just like never felt weaker in my life in a prison system. When you got to, like you said, you got to be strong. Yeah, 
you know, and I was just fucking broken, bro. I was fucking, I was, I was a nasty mess, dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but anyways, um, so you're out the first day, and back to the question I was asking, what did you do the first day? Korean barbecue. Korean barbecue, huh? Yeah, was that something that mom made or did you go to a restaurant? I went to a restaurant and met up with the whole family. Met up with the whole family? Yeah. Is is your family a big family? Very small. I got my cousins uh, from my dad's side, my dad's younger brother. Yeah. Um, and it was just us. And when when you were in prison, you had the support of your whole family? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Um, my cousins, they, they were very supportive of me. But the other half, there's a lot of shame. Um, I disgraced the family. I was a gang member. I committed murder, went to prison. So there was no communication for all those years with some of them. Um, but the younger ones, for sure, they, they supported me. They look, they look past it, but the old school, yeah, you know, with the old school culture, you disgraced the family. You know, they were ashamed of you. They didn't even look at you like you were part of the family anymore. Yeah. You know, and now you get out, and or did you, were you able to, I mean, bro, you, how, how long have you been out for? I've been out two years. Two years, and that's still, I mean, that's fresh from a life sentence. Yeah. You know? I mean, has has those two years gone by quick? Super quick, man. And so what were your first steps of, of getting out? You go have Korean barbecue, you have the family. Were you able to mend some of the relationships with the, some of the old school heads in your family? Um, I tried. Um, I think I think it's getting better because they're seeing I'm very productive, I'm working, I'm in school full time, I'm doing a lot for the community. So I think I'm slowly regaining their trust. Okay, yeah. I mean, nothing nothing is given overnight, especially with people that just really hold, you know, uh, certain standards in the way they live as a community, as a culture, right? Yeah. As a Korean, as a Korean, right? You know, a lot of pride, bro. Oh, yeah. Right? You know, I get that, dog, because it's like that across the board, right? The, doesn't matter what color you are, bro. You got those. Um and so what, what was your first steps, bro? Like, you know what I mean? Did you have a job lined up? You know what I mean? Did you know somebody that worked at McDonald's and want to get you a McDonald's job? I mean, I'm talking shit, but I'm just yeah, saying, like, yeah. what did you have lined up for you? Or did you have anything lined up? Yeah, so there was a pastor that always came to see me uh, since I was 16. And I was like, who is this guy? He came to visit me in Pelican Bay, and he had a prison ministry. So when I got out, I made sure I'm going to volunteer my time over there. So I was doing that, and he was like, man, you want to get paid for what you do? I was like, say less, and I've been working there ever since. Wait, he said, do you want to get paid for what you do? For my volunteering. For volunteering. Yeah. So first you volunteered. Yeah. He liked you. He goes, man, I like the kid, man. You know what I mean? He seems like he's, you know, he's really ba 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 whatever, whoop de whoop whoop dog. You know what I mean? And so he says he offers you a, 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 a job. A job. Yeah. You know? And what does this job consist of? What were you volunteering for? Um, we do a lot of correspondence. We have a Bible college, so across the state, across the nation. Um, we have about 100 students that I oversee. So I send in them the homework. It's, it's all through correspondence. So they write back. I evaluate it. I send them newsletters. I encourage them, tell my story, different stories of people getting out from a life sentence, um, just to give them hope. And when they call, I pick up their phone calls. And sometimes we get donations from the community, and we pick out the best students, and we give them 100 bucks or whatever whatever they need. And and all these students are dudes that are behind bars. Yeah. They're locked up in the state of California. And, and women across the nation. And women, too. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, I mean, I know per capita, I mean, per capita, 
probably per capita in comparison to men. There's more men than women. Oh, but yeah. probably per capita is the wrong thing to say. But there's more men than women in the California state prison. And so, but is there a lot of women that you're corresponding with that is really trying to like you know do their thing as well, get their education, oh, or yeah. you know go to the you know the Bible school and everything? Yeah, there's a you know you could always tell there tell there by the writing too. Some of them is sloppy, and some of them is really neat, very precise. Um, you could tell a lot by that. So yeah, there's a lot of women um, that are our top students. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and um, is there Asian women? There's some Asian, yeah. and we do cater to the Korean community. Our, our pastor is Korean. So it started with the community because there's not really much for the Korean, Korean community. So he visits them uh, in the county jails, in the prisons. Right now, because I just got off parole, um, I'm not able to do that. I think I got to wait like a year. But yeah. once I you know, get that cleared, I want to go back in. Okay, so this whole time, you've been, you start, you got, you volunteered, bam, you landed the job. And you said you're going to school as well. I mean, how have you evolved? I mean, you, you, forever, right, trying to improve yeah. yourself. You know I mean? Just like I do as well to this day, bro, is what we all should be doing to our, to we lie in a grave. You know, we're always trying to correct things and grow, right? Be better. Do better. Um, and so what have you been doing besides, you know, uh, you landed the job with the prison uh, ministry uh, thing? And what yeah. else were you doing? How have you been doing? So I was a barber in prison. So I was like, you know what, let me go to school for that. Um, I tried cosmetology school because there's, I'm like, man, there's money in women's hair, right? So I tried that. Um, so I have over 1,400 hours in. I graduate end of the year. Um, it was a two-year program at LA Trade Tech. So I'm there full-time. And it's cool. I like it, right? And it's cool because, right, you learn not just hair but everything else too. So Yeah, I mean, you, you, starting to, you have to learn. I mean, coming out after 14, 15 years, bro, I mean, you got to re- Re uh, like institute yourself into a world, bro. That when you were last time you were in, you were a freaking lost kid, bro. Yeah, you know, looking for love up to no good. I mean, and now you got to find yourself. I mean, you found yourself who you are as an individual in the system, but when you come out to being a free man after you know a life sentence or sentenced to a life sentence, but getting cut out, cut loose, um. You know, you got to readjust. I mean, what are things that you've had to readjust that have, your challenges, the challenges that you've faced? I think for me, like the technology too, because we didn't have smartphones. We had flip phones, chirp, sidekick, whatever. Yeah. Um, everything is QR code scanning, self-checkout. And I think the social aspect too. Um, right. I, I can have a conversation with you all day, right? But to the average person, it's hard to connect with. Um, so it's just learning. Why is that, though? You said in comparison from me and you to them? I feel like even though we might be the same age, uh, they haven't been through what I've been through. And I feel like, I mean, of course, there's things that I need to learn, adulting and, you know, bills and, you know, all that. But I feel like they have a sense of maturity for sure. But I have another, a different sense of maturity. So I feel like I connect with older people better. Yeah. Like men, women in their 40s and up. Absolutely. And how old are you right now? I'm 32. 32. Yeah. Been down since you were 16. Yeah. Out for two years. Um, have you been able to find uh, 
do you have a have you been able to I'm not trying to get prior into your personal business but I mean how more much personal can we get already you've already talked about some pretty personal shit um I mean do you have a girlfriend now have you been able to uh, establish new relationships um, um, obviously within the community yeah you have. yeah yeah for sure I, I've been getting a lot of support especially with this part and stuff going on um I was dating I was dating somebody for a year um but I think Right now, we both decided let's focus on, you know, because reality is I am facing deportation. And let's just focus on that right now and then see what happens from then on. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I I met a good woman. Um, but we're just, just taking things slow. Um, is she a Korean as well? Uh, Hispanic. Hispanic. Yeah. Shout out to you, Maji. Yeah. Yeah. Those are probably all the only women on the face of the earth that's going to take in a killer. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry about that. That was horrible. So, um, so I I do want to clarify <clears throat> that you know we did separate. Yeah, and it was mutual. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry about that, bro. That was a yeah. bad. That was a bad comment right there, dog. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> horrible, dog. Shame on me. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, for sure, bro. Um, so here you are now, bro. You've been out for two years. You've been you've been checking in with the ICE. You just got off of parole. And um, you know now you now it's coming to the time with ICE where they're saying, "Hey, we you you're gone, bro. Your time is up out here." Yeah. Yeah. So you know they've been calling me sporadically, randomly, um, checking in, and there's always that fear, like, "Man, you know, what if they detain me again?" Right. So my last resort, I feel like, is to ask for a pardon with the governor, um, and it's not gonna necessarily. Uh, stop my eye situation but that'll give me grounds to go back into immigration court and for the judge to dismiss that but i want to be able to just share my story and use this platform for people to just man just make that that call or that email to the governor and and i'm going to hold a press conference my pardon campaign launch next month um just to get much people as i can to get his attention absolutely um I got a question for you, bro. Have has it ever like crossed your mind to reach out to families or anything like that of this the, the victim side? All the time. Um I think about that all the time. Um the Wang family, the Yao family. Um I know by California law, um offenders can't reach out to the victim's family. That's that's law. Um, but I'm ready, you know, to have that conversation to show how remorseful, how sorry I am. And every day that I do make amends, I can't make it directly, but one of my ways of making amends is being successful, not getting in trouble. For me, um, I was drinking and smoking. I I don't do that no more. My sobriety is another form of making amends to them. Um, and just being the best person I can be to my community. That would be that would be really hard. I mean, if you had so if you had an opportunity to do it, you would do it. Yeah. And how would you approach that? Like, I'm, I'm sure you've played that out in your head hundreds of times. You know, like how would you? How do you approach approach a? How would you approach a situation like that, bro? Here we are down the line, you know, and you're facing the victim's parents. Yeah. You know. I mean, how would you approach that? Um, I would get a mediator. Um, 
have some kind of organization or somebody that deals with restorative justice to reach out to them if they're willing to uh, hear me out or if they're willing to meet. Um, obviously, I can't do anything on my end. It has yeah. to be through a mediator. So I, I will go about that route. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it would probably give you, a, I mean, not necessarily closure, but it would be uh, something like, you know, off, not a bucket list, but you know what I mean, bro. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, and so here you are now. I mean, you've been going to the, these, you've been checking in with ICE, and they've been hearings. Is that what you said? It's not even a hearing. It's just make sure you're not running off. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, when it's time, we'll let you know what time it is. Yeah. And now the time has come where they're saying, hey, deport, de- deportation time is here. It's soon. Yeah. And now... You're out here to share your story and to potentially have people support you to fighting your deportation so you don't have to go to. Why would you not want to go back to South Korea? I've been here since I was two years old, and this is my home. I do believe I bring more value here. I, I love going to the neighborhoods, the projects, going to Watts, Compton, and just sharing my story to the kids. Right. Obviously, I don't just go to any neighborhood. I go with a, a church group or somebody that's welcome there. And I just love talking to the kids because I, I was that one kid before. Um, I continue to petition for different bills in California, the Immigration Bill, um, the Vision Act, AB 937. So I, I do believe that I do bring more value here. Um, if I go to Korea, it's just I don't know the language, the culture. It'll be a whole different system. But you speak the Cre- you speak Korean, though, right? Uh, just enough to get by. Okay. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I talked about that with, with Johnny from watching our, you know, former, uh, ex watching member. Um, and he said that like, yeah, like they, you know, because I was talking about, there's a lot of, there's a lot of homies. There's a lot of Mexicans that are raised and their parents speak Spanish, but they don't speak Spanish. And then, you know, they're kind of like frowned upon by other dudes that do speak Spanish. Cause you know, everyone's always talking about you ain't Mexican enough, blah, 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 whatever. I mean, and so here you are, you know, and you don't speak Korean fluently to go back, get deported out there. Yeah. I mean, you'll probably get shitted on if you get out, go out there, potentially, maybe. Oh, yeah. I mean, because I'm Americanized. I'm yeah. a gang member. Um, you know, the scum of the earth, pretty much, to them. Yeah. So. And and how is it out there in South Korea? What do you hear, bro? Like, how is the living out there? I mean, I, I think it's getting more up to date, just like America. Um, I see people getting tatted up, too, now. Um, that's coming in. Is it, is it a dictatorship out there or is it a democracy? Oh, democracy. It's a democracy. Yeah. But but North Korea is obviously yeah, a dictatorship. Yeah. Yeah, which you don't want to be going to. Oh, no, yeah. 100%, yeah. Okay, so let's do this, bro. I'm going to do this, guys. I'm going to open up the phone line. I'm going to open up the phone line. You Would you like to take some phone oh, calls? Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's do some phone calls. And obviously, bro, you're going to have some questions, potentially some tough questions. But uh, this is what we do right here. You know, this is when the... This is when the show starts for some people in this audience right here. They love the phone calls. Go ahead, do what you gotta do, though. Uh, You guys drink all that wine? Bastards? Hey, let me get that other one, yeah? Thank you, Don. All right, so, hey, we got the phone line up right now. You guys want to call in, talk to Justin, ask him a tough question, 
keep it respectful, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, let's go, baby. You know what I mean? Phone calls. The number is up. Um, shout out to everybody that's on the, on the on the live chat right now, that's on this live right now. Uh, hit the subscribe, hit the like, uh, let them know we're here. Um, you know, for everybody, bro, across the board, dog. Um, here we go, first phone call. You're on Hoodstocks, talk to us. Yo, what up, Lucky? Hey, what up, brother? Hey, man, you know what? I just want to fucking say what's up. The homeboy on your podcast right now. Though. What's your name again? I, 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 I lost. Um, Young? Uh, Youngju, but you can call me Justin. Uh, hey, Justin, listen, man. Hey, I could hear the sincerity in your voice. You know, you, you do some shit. We all do some fucked up shit sometimes. We have to pay for it. Much respect to the story you're telling, man. It, it really it really dictates through the, through the airwaves. Hey, lucky. You're doing a great job, homeboy. I'm trying, brother. You know, sometimes we got to be serious in these podcasts, dogging with, and in the past, you know, we got to, you know, I'm trying to, uh, you know, navigate this right, bro, and just be a, a, a good interviewer, bro. You know what I mean? Sometimes this is hard, bro, but, um, you know, hopefully I do just injustice on this interview with him, man, you know? Um, listen, listen, man. Can I say something? Yeah, go ahead, brother. You're doing an out-fucking-standing job, Thank you, brother. I appreciate Thank it. The, the last fucking five, six podcasts have been out fucking standing. They're, they all are, but you just you, you just going to the next level, the next level, the next level. Justin, good luck on that. With the, the trouble you're going through, bro. I hope everything works out for you, pans out for you in a positive way. Much respect. You guys have a buena noche. You as well, right. doggy. Thank you. And also, too, if you're still listening, my G, um, Justin is going to... Uh, we're going to have the links in the description and Justin is going to share the links uh, pretty soon on how you can support him and help him from not being deported. Now, there's some that's going to support. There's some that's not. And hey, you know, you do as you choose, baby. We're not here to twist no arms. You hear the man's story and you decide, you know, if you believe in him. Homie said that you, your frequency was transpiring through the airwaves of the YouTube and he felt like you were being sincere through a screen, maybe on the phone, bro. I mean, maybe on a TV or something, bro, a computer or something, dog. You know what I mean? And that says a lot. Yeah, thank you. That says a lot, bro. Here we go. Next phone call. You're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. They look. Yes, sir. And I just call in real quick. You mean give a shout out um, to you and Justin right there, man. Hey, Justin. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what's up? What's up? My bad. Hey, man. Hey, welcome back home, brother. You mean? Uh, thank you. I thank know you. 13 years is said easy, bro, but it's a lifetime. You feel me? Yeah. It's a lifetime. Like, motherfucker can't even do one day in jail. You feel me? <laughs> so 13 years is... Yeah. It's a little stretch, bro. And welcome back home. And, hey, I'm, I'm happy for you, bro. You mean? Yeah, keep thank it, you. Keep it pushing, bro. You mean? Yeah, appreciate that. And big love, you mean? We love what you're doing, bro. Hoodstars is the shit, bro. You mean? Thank Shout you, brother. Shout out to Linwood. Linwood loves you, bro. Hey, I love hey, Linwood too, baby. Words, love you, <laughs> love you too, doggy. Thank you, dog. Let's go next phone call. Uh, you're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. Hold on. Hello? Hello? Yo, what up, brother? You're on Hoodstocks. Hey, what's happening, bro? Um, I just want to shout out to Justin. Um, 
I, um, I'm from uh, Guadalupe, California, 805. Um, turn the volume down in the background, dog. Okay, here it goes. Let me turn that down. All right, yeah, I just wanted to shout out to Justin. I, I, uh, I got out of, uh, I got out in 2015. California appellate court overturned my conviction, and I just, I, I feel the struggle. Yeah, I feel exactly what he's going through. I was down for a manslaughter case, and uh, it just, I just want to shout out to you, brother. Man, thank you, man. We we gonna make it though, man. Just keep striving. It's hard sometimes, but. We gotta do right by our families now, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I thought what you said about the victim. You know, I feel the same way all the time. Yeah, I always want to reach out to them, but I cannot. Yeah, and uh, man, I just wanna, I just wanna support you, brother. Thank you, appreciate that. All right, bro. All thank right, you. thank you, doggy. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah. Uh, you're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. Hey, so this is just a, kind of a message for Justin. I just wanted to tell him that I really did relate to um, how God brought him back. You know, God pre- puts us in certain situations that, um, you know, for other people, it's kind of crazy where it's like they don't really understand because you don't have that epiphany. But when you feel that Holy Spirit and that presence that is giving you that peace, that comfort, you start to believe in God like you believe in air. You know, you breathe air, you don't see it, but it keeps you alive. So I just wanted to say that, you know, what you're sharing with the youngsters these days, I mean, your purpose, you know, you went through what you went through because today you have a purpose for someone else's life to make that change and to, you know, kind of uh, start breaking cycles. So I just wanted to say God bless you. And, um, you know, for me, it speaks volumes that, you know, God is still working in our lives, regardless of how bad we've done and um, how our sin is, you know, he carried that cross. And uh, he cleared us of our sins. So, Lucky, I just want to say thank you. This is the second guy that you bring on here that speaks about, you know, God. And um, that speaks a lot to a lot of us that are struggling and going through, you know, their own struggles and different situations and scenarios. Yeah, we've had we've had a lot of we've had a lot of guests that that have been, uh, uh, you know, that spoke about God and stuff. But in recent time, yes. Uh, And, you know, you know, it's like this, man. God is everything. You know, God is life. God it's is great. air. God is everything. You know what I mean? And, you know, regardless of everything, see me acting a fool here sometimes. Shit, I get up <laughs> in yeah. the morning and I pray like a humble motherfucker. Bro, he worked you know on mean? you, too. Absolutely. Yeah, he worked on you, too, you know. With me, it's like I went through foster care, you know. Foster homes were Christian homes. There's some that were, like, really bad experiences. And till this, like, till my adolescence, you know, I was in foster care. And he still was there, like, no, like, hear my word, you know. Because we may think that the Bible is manipulated, and yeah, it may be in some words and some, like, you know, it's used to control people and so on. But when you really understand and you kind of like let that ego go and you're like, okay, like, let me actually put some thought into this because we're not here for the world, you know, we're here to to feed our soul, to feed our spirit and to kind of give love and to stop this hate, you know, because again, we're not, you know, the heaven can be. The heaven can be for everybody. I think that we're on um, we're on hell. It's and I guess you can say we're on hell. And um, this is where the devil rules. And the fact that this is you know breaking breaking barriers and it's actually a message that a lot of people like 700 plus are listening to, interacting with each other. Um, I think you know it's a good movement, and I really do appreciate that, dude. Thank you, guys. Yeah, so, I mean, if you believe in Justin, and I, and I appreciate your words. I think this is a, a Vida Maravilla or something like that. Uh, no, 
Okinawa speaks. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You sound you got a similar voice to uh, one of the one of the goonies that calls in a lot as well. And I appreciate your words. Your words were uh, very uh, encouraging. And uh, thank you so much for this phone call. And you know what? If you believe in Justin, you believe in his uh, his change. Um, you know, then make sure you support him on uh, the Definitely information. Definitely will do. The information will be put forward to, and you know, pass his story on to others as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank Definitely, you so much. we'll share this. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Justin, and God bless you, bro. Everybody has you. a chance. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Have bro. Have a good night, guys. You too. Yeah, you got it, bro. You got a uh, you got a second chance in life, bro. Man, for real. You got a second chance in life, bro. So obviously, you have a calling, bro. That's. I mean, I was gonna say something, and it would probably been like an abound analogy, or maybe just uh, looked upon. You know, what I mean. Uh, insensitive you know what I mean um, but anyways like you know certain people go through certain things to potentially bring certain things to to light or help others certain yeah. individuals I mean do you think about that like you know why did I get let out you know when I committed this crime you know yeah. you know do I deserve this you know do you know yeah I mean because I have a lot of friends that are still doing life you know but every day I'm just grateful and it makes me want to just be better, you know, and you have days where it's hard, right? You, you go through obstacles and setbacks and rejection. But I think about, man, I'm out here. I, I'm, I'm out here. I can make a difference. So let me do that. Just get out of that, that petty party, that victim mindset. Okay, let's do it. Okay, I got, I got support here. I got network. I got resources. Let's do it, man. And I'm just tired of just, you know, being limited. In there, we're so limited, but out here, we're unlimited. So let's do it. We can make it happen. I believe it. And I feel like we go through like stuff like this to build our resilience and to encourage one another. And I believe I could get this part in. Yeah. You I believe be- it. You believed in it. Yeah. You're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. Hey, this is Lucky. Yes, sir. Hey, Lucky. How you doing? Um, just want to say keep up the good work. And I want to say to uh, Justin, be blessed, bro. And uh, stay focused. And tonight, when you get time, read uh, Romans eight eleven, bro. That, that verse helped me. You know, I, I did 22 years in prison, and uh, I, I'm, I've been. I did five years solitary confinement. I was from uh, Tango Blast in Texas, and uh, but now I live here in Needles, California, and uh, I've been. I'm, I'm married. I have a daughter. Right. Uh, I have a home, a car. You know, and God, and Beautiful. just stay fixed and focused on Jesus, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. And your 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 story, you know, touched my heart, and you know, I just want to let you know, bro. Just stay focused, man. You're gonna make it, bro. Amen. You know what I'm saying? And then when you get a chance tonight, uh, read Romans eight eleven. And lucky, that. I just want to say, bro, keep up the good work, bro. You, I mean, man, you know all the other prisons channels that you know they talk about prison life, which is you know which is fine. That's what that, that's what that's what it's about. But how you bring the spiritual aspect, you know, I, I a lot of us uh, like the young lady I called earlier. We we appreciate that, man. You know, and I I just want to let you know, keep up the good work, lucky. Thank you, brother. And you know, we need that. We need you, man. Uh, absolutely. And I appreciate you calling, brother. And hopefully one day I can get one of you guys, one of the brothers from Tejas, you know, Tongo Blast, dog on here, dog. You know what I mean? And we can have uh, some conversations, bro. You know what I mean? But as we grow, we'll be able to, uh, uh, our, our, the, you know, the branches will uh, get out further and we'll be able to have other individuals on, dog. You know what I mean? But thank you so much, brother, for calling and supporting this channel, dog. You know All what I right. mean? All right. And salute to you, bro, on, you know, changing your life and for the better. Some, you had to get out of Texas, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, sometimes you got to change. Yeah, 
that, that's one thing that we learned in, in treatment, bro. Because you know, I, I kept re- relapsing, and my wife had left me, and you know, so to, to get my life back together, which because I, I didn't want to go back to that life, you know, I, what we learned, you have to change people, places, and things. And, and you know, and in Tango Blast, you know, it, you know, when you get out, you can do whatever you want. So I didn't have to leave Texas, but I had to leave Texas in order to get away from that lifestyle. You know what I mean? So it's not like I, ha- I dropped out or, or I had to or, or I had to you know get away because yeah. you know they were gonna do something to me. And you a solid dude. Tango- Only a solid dude's gonna clarify that too, bro. Yeah. Only a solid yeah, dude's yeah. gonna be like, hold on, homie, don't get it twisted. I ain't over here hiding <laughs> in Needles, California. You <laughs> no, know no, no, what no, 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 no. I mean, because that's a strange yeah. place to move if you ask me, yeah, dog. Yeah. I mean, that's the middle of nowhere, dog. You know what I mean, well, 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 my wife and I had to come here because uh, now we've been cleaning sober for. Well, she's been cleaning sober for thirteen years. I've been cleaning sober for ten years. But God had to bring us to a desert. Yeah, you know, bro. To get to get you know to to get our minds right. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. So there ain't I, even a liquor store out there, dog. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you got no temptation, dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, much so, love, yeah, baby. Totally like, hey, much love, Hood and uh, uh, Hoodstock and uh, and uh, Justin. Stay up, bro. Thank you. Absolutely, Stay focused, brother. Bro. Yeah, yes, God sir. bless you. Stay God the course, baby. God bless God you, you yes, too. Let's get to this next call, dog. I didn't mean to cut a homie off too short, but uh, you're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. What's up, big bad lucky? What's hey, up? I just wanted, I just wanted to tell the homie to keep his head up and uh, just let him know that uh, he can do it, he can make it, man. And shout out to all the homies from Riverside, i.e., this big bad Eddie de la Torre. That's right, baby. Much love to a big shout out to IE, doggy, and big shout out to uh, and, Riverside. And, Absolutely. And I love Hoodstocks. I watch you every day, dog. Thank you, baby. Right. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you, brother, so much, dog. You know it's nothing this but love. This super underrated. You should have millions of fucking views, dog. That's, I've heard that a couple times, dog. But, you know, one day we'll get there, baby. You know what I mean? We're working hard for every uh, for every number, every subscriber. Like, subscribe if you're on right now and you ain't done it already. You know what I mean? But it is what it is, baby. You know what I mean? We're going to get there, dog. You know what I mean? And, and it, and but what's most important is it just enjoying the journey and and just watching this flir- this platform flourish and being able to just have now my Asian brothers on dog to share these stories and they're so similar to ours, bro. You know what I mean? And of course, and of course they are, bro. Why? Because they're right down the street from us, bro. Why wouldn't they be? You know what I mean? Yeah. Shit, dog. You know what I mean? Hell yeah, dog. And I, and I like looking at that little full casing. That's just funny, dog. Yeah, where's he at? Put Casey on the on the on the screen real quick. Hold on, dog. You like look you like seeing him? Hold on, we'll put him over there. Pop him in there real quick, canine. Hold on. Hey, put him in there real quick. A little close. No, oh back up. Hey, there goes Casey right there, dog. Shout out to Casey, What's dog. What's up, Casey? What's up? <laughs> All right. Casey, keep your head up, dog. Anyways. Don't worry, you'll grow someday, dog. Drink muscle milk. He's got hair. He's got chest hair, dog. I mean, that should just happen overnight, <laughs> dog. I mean, um, sorry about that, Justin. I didn't mean to put that guy in front of you like that, dog. Um, especially with fucking burying his bare chest like that. Who does this guy think he is? Um, all right, brother. Have a good one. Thank you for calling in. The, the, the phone lines were popping. Anyone else want to call? I'll leave it on for a quick minute. And um, rather than that, bro, how can people support you, bro? You know, the people that believe in you, that have heard your story right here, how, they can, how, they, how can they support you? Uh, you could go to the link, uh, change.org slash let Justin stay. Or you could go to my Instagram, Justin YJ Chung. The link will take you right there. Um, and email the governor. Um, you can sign the petition, but email the governor. So that will get the numbers up and the governor's attention. Absolutely. Look at this last phone call right here, dog. Let's see. Uh, you're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. What's up, Big Luck? What up, baby? Hey, I just wanted to tell the homie Justin, keep his head up, fool. You know, 
my pop's kind of going through the same thing right now and shit. Fighting, he's fighting the case and shit, but you feel me? He's from Mexico, so he might have to go through a similar situation with deportation and shit and all that. But I just wanted to give, like, words of encouragement to the homie and shit, time to keep his head up, stay solid, and you know it's never over. You know what? He's here for a reason and shit. Feel me? He's on your platform for a reason. And he, God has brought him this far, obviously, for a motherfucking reason and shit. And he has a purpose. You feel me? Everything Amen. that he's doing, going work, um, going to uh, facilities and things like that and speaking to people, he has a purpose. So I just want to tell homie to keep his head up and shit. And um, to you, Lux, keep doing what the fuck you're doing. You're doing a great job, my boy. Thank and you, We got to get your story, big dog. You got to get your fucking story. I know you've done little podcasts and shit like that, but you've never gone in debt, my boy. We need to get never that gone in debt, my boy. Yeah. You know what, dog? There's just a lot of jacking off in my story, dog. You know what I mean? That's it, dog. I mean, it's not too crazy, dog. I mean, <laughs> I feel you, big dog. No, I'm just fucking around. Hey, we gotta get, we gotta get a podcast where you can just open up, my yeah. boy. You know, going dead with your story. And Absolutely, dog. Crazy ass story, so yeah. I know you said. Beat, beat, I got many layers and many chapters, dog. It's just crazy, bro. You know what I mean? I just really gotta fucking navigate it. How do I? Na- I can tell my story a hundred times, bro, and tell different angles of it, bro. Different chapters, bro. To be honest, bro, I was on the streets for a lot, bro. You know what I mean? But anyways, I love you, my boy. Thank you for calling in. We got a, a, a Virginia right here, I believe. Uh, you're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. Ah, uh, you wanna fuck on me? Fuck you, Wookie. <laughs> Shout out to VA, baby. You know what I mean? I think it's VA, Virginia. That was the yeah. phone. That, there was another dude from Washington calling. Let me call him back because he called a bunch of times. I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, but let's see. You know, call back real quick. I seen you trying to blow it up. I like to get out of state calls. All right. Anyways, I try to get you back, my G. I seen you calling a bunch of times right there. But anyways, brother, I mean this. Let's let's repeat it one more time. How people can support you, and also too, whatever he's saying, his Instagram link and all the links will be in the description, uh, along with uh, a Glory Plumbing as well. Um, but again, bro, how can people support you, brother? Email the governor. Uh, you can go to change.org slash let Justin stay or go to my Instagram Justin YJ Chung and the link will take you right there and I'm also doing a press conference for my pardon uh, August 12th I'm gonna put more information on that on my Instagram so follow me for more info here's that this call I, I actually try to call this dude just hung up one more time baby I'll give you the, I'll give you this dog <laughs> all right bro hey so this has been dope bro this has been a you know what i mean it's i mean it's been real right you know it's been a it's been as real as it gets bro you know on this podcast and we have dudes sharing stories life testaments you know what i mean uh spiritual awakenings um i mean is this your first podcast i know you shared your story a lot of times through Maybe writing people, talking to people in person. Yeah. Is this your first podcast? Uh, yeah, in live po- uh, podcast, first time. Uh, and, and what? And, and will you say that again? So in live podcast. I oh, did, a live podcast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What other podcasts do you do, bro? So one of my friends that got out, he has his own nonprofit. So it was through Zoom. Um, okay. So I okay. talked about my story uh, when I first got out. So this is, you know, just kind of giving the update. This is what I've been doing. Absolutely. You know what, bro? I've had people that wanted to do a podcast on Zoom. Yeah. And I said, bro, we can't do the, we can't do a podcast on Zoom, dog. Yeah. And the reason why is because I can't, bro, I can't connect with you over a Zoom phone call. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like I wanna, I wanna, I don't wanna smell your breath. But you know what I mean? Like I want to see you. Yeah, like, no. like, like this dude is real. Yeah. I can touch him. Yeah, no, this, he this is real. real. Yeah, Very real. Yeah, this is real. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Hoodstocks is is realistic as it gets. You know, I believe on a platform, bro. You know, and we have dudes on here, bro. That, that sometimes, bro, they they haven't changed their life, and they're dangerous dudes, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um. You know, sometimes it's a risk doing this shit, dog. You know what I mean? You know can affect me, can affect my family, can affect people around me. But, you know, I, I, I believe in stories and I believe in people change and I believe in trying to just give back. I always try to find a way of how I can give back, bro. You know what I mean? I can't be a drug counselor because I like weed and mushrooms. Okay, that's out the picture. You know what I mean? I can't yeah. be a, 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 an AA dude because I got a fucking glass of wine right here. You know what I mean? I mean, so I just, I, I had to find a way. How can I be myself and, and, and you know, or be the new me and, and get back to the community? And, and this is, this, this, I mean, I get a lot of, like, this is therapy for me, bro. And I enjoy doing this, bro. You know what I mean? And I, I hope that this, this uh, interview right here helps you. Oh, yeah. This, you, this is legit, right? I hope, yeah. Cause I'm seeing, right, the homies right here. I don't know them, but. They all look familiar, right? Yeah, well, they you've probably seen them all in the penitentiary, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You for sure didn't see them at church. Because these yeah. motherfuckers need to start going to church, dog. Well, we come from the similar background, you know? I mean, do you try to, when you see dudes, I mean, do you ever talk to dudes randomly? Bro, one thing, I, honestly, bro, and, and, and before you, I'll tell you this, dog. There's been times, bro, I'm at the supermarket, bro. And I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to get in and out, bro. And I got some dude, hey, dog, wait, but, 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 will you go come to the church? Boo, you know what I mean? You know, and a lot of times if they're, especially if they're like sending, selling like some candy, like, and they're from like a, a, a you know, from like a rehab and they're trying to raise money. I'm just like, nah, keep the money, blah, blah, blah. But I don't like getting harassed in the market. I've done that a couple of times. But do you ever see people on the fly and just try to holler at them or something? I mean, I I do that just to see where they are. Like, man, yeah. you know, I see a guy off the streets just washing cars, man. What's up? What's your story, man? What what are you going through? How can I help you? Yeah. Right. So those are the people that I want to talk to. You know, I know it. I see you tatted up. How long you been home? Yeah. Man, let me talk to you. How you doing? I have resources. If you want it, I can help you. What are your resources? Because maybe we have some people right now that meet, need to take that need your resources, bro. Yeah. So how could you help some of the guys that are going through it right now that are just randomly doped up, looking through their phone, watching Hoodstocks, and they're just like, man, I need help, man. I need a way out of this shit, dog. You know what I mean? Like, how, how would you help them? How, how could you? Because we have a reentry home as well. Um, I know a lot of lifers that got out that are working in reentry homes, drug rehabilitative programs. So if you need that, we can always direct you to those places. Um, even with the college, right, there's funds out there. You just got to just look for it. It's out there, and I could direct you to those things. Um, how, how hard is it for a lifer? I'm sorry for cutting you off. How hard is it for a lifer? Because you got dudes that right now that are sitting at home and saying, oh, dog, I got a, I got a, I got a felony. I got a, a, a you know, a you know, whatever, like a, a low-level type of felony. I can't get a job. But here we got lifers coming out. Shout out to the ARC program. Have you heard of that program? Oh, yeah. Yeah, shout out to them. Yeah. yeah, shout out to my my boy from the, from the ARC program. Um, but I, how do people, bro, like like a lifer, you're out, bro, and you feel like, you? I feel like you feel like, hey, you know what, I can accomplish anything in this world. Yeah, I mean, the resources are there. There's people that are making it, doing way better than I am, making way more money. 
Um, it's just how bad you want it. With the same background. Same background, okay. especially if you're in a reentry home. A lot of lifers, majority of lifers there. Everybody's talking, networking. The programs are there. The city is there to help you. It's Bro, just, how bad? How badass is California? And then some people be like, "Fuck California for this." And I get you guys. I get it. I, I see both sides of the fence. But I mean, is California like the perfect state for somebody to commit a, a heinous crime and be able to get out and change their life? I mean, is this like a safe haven for fucking criminals and shit, bro? You know, like I, I want to say a perfect place, but people. I mean, this state does recognize change. So if you've done the work to get out, they're going to give you another chance. But it's not easy. Right? People are in there 20, 30, some 40 plus years. You got to really just work your butt off to get home. So as much as people think outside looking in, not everybody is getting out. Not everybody's getting out. You got to put in the work in the prison system to get out. Yeah. bro. Like you, some people don't want to say it, but you did everything you had to do in there to get out. Yeah, everything. You got to go through the parole board, the psychiatrist, the governor's team, the governor's approval. It's just very meticulous. So every lifer you see out here, we're not just out here because we're out. We're out here because we've done the work. We're out here because we're not dangerous to society anymore. We've got vetted through the psychiatrist, so many different processes. So, you know, you got some lifers. I, I see some channels talking to good one. No, you're out here because you've done the work, because you're, 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 trust, you're accountable. You're trustworthy now. You built some trust yeah. within the system, and the system, and the trust that you built is all on paper. Yeah, you know, accomplishments. Uh, 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 would you say a BA, uh, an AA, an AA first, then a BA, and so on and so forth. Everything else. I mean, you. Uh, I mean, does it does Cal it does the CDC R now right? Used yeah. to be just CDC. Now it's CDC R rehabilitation. I mean, are they? Do they have that many programs going on right now for dudes to, you know, to better themselves? Uh, on the lower yards, for sure. I don't know about the level fours. There's, they're starting to bring it in. But the lower yards, for sure, there's programs. Absolutely. Yeah. A, lo a lot of uh, rehabilitation programs. Oh, yeah. And what, what would you say the percentages, bro? And I'm not trying to keep you here too long, bro. But these are this is just legit questions. What do you think the percentages of inmates or convicts, whatever you guys identify with that are in there, some dudes are inmates and then you got the pro professionals that are convicts, right? There's yeah. a difference, right? You know what I mean? Uh, the, the, well, how many, what would you think the percentages of, of individuals that are utilizing the rehabilitation programs put into the uh, CDCR now? It's not that much, to be honest. Um, I think it's less than 10%. Less than 10%. Wow. Yeah, so everybody's still with the business or fighting and rioting and politicking. So you're within that 10% then? Yeah, I would say less than 10. Yeah. Yeah. And you're you're one of them dudes. Yeah. Absolutely. Salute to you on that, brother. Yeah. I mean, you were 16 years old, bro. You don't know what the fuck you were doing. You knew what the fuck you were doing, but it was under a fucking, uh, 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 you know, I mean, I'm not trying to justify what he did. Never that. But, you know, I mean, you know, I, I'll just leave it at that, bro, because I know a lot of people, you know, have their own opinions they could potentially go against what I'm going to say, and that's okay, you know what I mean? Because I, I feel both sides, dog, yeah. you know what I mean? You know, but you earned your freedom back. You did what you had to do. You changed your life. You're Now you got your freedom. You're continuing your course. You're staying the course oh, yeah. on what you started in there, you know, and, 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 and you're doing what you got to do. I mean, 
if you do get sent to Korea, what are you going to do in Korea? I would probably have to join the army because it's mandatory. Okay. Um, but there's a lot of resources in there, so I'll, I'll utilize that. And I hope that I get my license before I get deported, if I get deported. Um, and I'll continue with my business out there, my career out there, cutting hair. Absolutely, brother. Well, I just want to thank you very much, brother. Yeah, thank you. For, you know what I mean, just having the courage, bro, and being so transparent about your story, bro. Yeah, I just want to thank you so much, brother. And, um, you know, we're all brothers right here, man. We are community right here at Hoodstocks. If you support this man, hit the links that's going to be in the description. And um, let's get this last call from Bakersfield and then we're out of here. One more phone call, Doggy. Sorry about that, brother. Uh, you're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us. Yo, fuck you, Lucky. I love you too, baby. Talk to me. Yo, yo, what up, dog? Just want to show some love, dog. All right, thank you, brother. You know how we show love around here, dog. It's a, it's tough love, baby. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And fucking, I just got here a little late, dog. But shit, homeboy getting deported, dog. That's that's some shit, bro. How do you feel about that, man? Well, I think he said it already, bro. He's not happy about it, doggy. I mean, I'm gonna fight though. I'm He's gonna, gonna fight, fight some, it. Yeah. yeah, to my last. Yeah, dying fight breath. for that shit, man. Let's go. Shit, yeah. I've been deported twice, brother. I know exactly how it feels, man. But we're not that far, you know. Yeah. This dude's a we, we just around the corner now. We hop back in this bitch, son. Yeah. Thank you, brother. One, one call, Chachilla, real quick. I like to get these phone calls in real quick. Chachilla, talk to us. You're on Hoodstocks. Talk to us real quick. Hey. Damn, I can't believe I missed this live, man. I just got home from work. I just want to say, fuck you, Lucky. And, I'm, yeah. you know, I had to jump in, man. Um, I, I noticed that... Uh, you know, it's over already and everything, but uh, shout out to your guest. I'm going to have to catch up tonight. Is it going to be up tonight? Yeah, it'll be up, bro. As soon as we, we end it, it's going to be up, bro. It's up right now already, doggies. Thank you so much, dog. Hey, love yeah, you, bro. my Much love, doggy. Uh, everybody, give it up for Justin, baby. You know what I mean? We, good vibrations right here. We wish you the best of luck, brother. I mean, keep on elevating, dog. Keep on, you know what I mean? Impacting, you know, the youth, bro. I guess, I mean, I guess your life is written now, bro. You will forever be... You will forever have to repay uh, for what you've done, you know what I mean? And that is going to be in a spiritual sense, which is much needed in this climate that we live in. Yeah. You know what I mean? We need a lot of God in us right now because the, the, the crimes, the mass shootings, just all the, the kids, bro, like, stop it, dog. Stop it, bro. Real shit, dog. You know what I mean? This is ridiculous, bro. You know what I mean? And we, we got to create uh, peace amongst this it's just these fucking atrocities that are going on, man. You know what I mean? We got to, you know what I mean? We got to love that neighbor, baby. You know what I mean? We got to just show love, dog. Don't mad dog that fool in the liquor store, dog. Tell that fool what's up, dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like, dog, like, let's just, I mean, it's 2022, my geez. Stop that shit, dog. You know what I mean? got to kill each other no more, dog. I mean, think about the families, bro. Think about your mom. You got a mom, too. You got a pops, too, dog. You know what I mean? I love you guys, dog. Uh, shout out to our guest right here. Justin, all links will be in description, dog. And uh, we're out of here, doggy. Thank you, brother. All right.